When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. This is episode number 27. This is the final stop on the Omakaze Year in Review Tour. Uh, it's been a long, long journey. Uh, we did, I think, seven episodes in total. And we're actually recording this one as the second to last episode. But by the time you guys hear it, it will be the final episode. Because we have to save this for last. I mean, first of all, you know, this is New Japan Mecca. Had to save New Japan last here on the New Japan Mecca. And we have a big returning guest, um, the man from the most listened to episode of Wrestling Omikaze, the world-renowned um, BBC, I don't know the other one. What's the other oh, one? BBC oh and Fortune. <laughs> BBC and Fortune, right? Is that it? Was it Fortune? <sighs> Internationally acclaimed. <laughs> Broadcast journalist as heard uh, worldwide on BBC Radio, and also what as the... quoted in Forbes magazine. Forbes, okay. So That's not right. for not not the TNA stable. We're talking Forbes here. It's for, Fortune's a magazine too, isn't it? I think so. Yes. I, I feel like Fortune is a magazine, but it's also a TNA stable. Mister Joe Lanza making his return appearance here for the New Japan Year Review episode. How's it going, Mister Lanza? Well, if you didn't mention that I popped the rating last time, I was going to mention it myself. So, uh, <laughs> I see. Is... I knew. I know you. I know you by now. It's like yes. I might as well just get it out of the way and just get your bragging over with, and I can keep going. Um, we also have on a first-time guest, 
Um, what, Mr. Lawson the Young? Is that? Hey, I, should yeah, ask, I should ask you that first, actually. Sure. But um, <laughs> you're, you've you've been on a lot of the New Japan, um, the roundtable previews you've done this year, and you know some of the reviews and stuff. So you know, a, a good a good pick here to round out our New Japan year in review episode. Welcome to the show, Lawson. Hey, thanks for having me. This is uh, yeah, I've, I do the like the match of the month stuff in New Japan. There's a lot of uh, has a lot of entries this this year. So, but I also I believe Joe's other thing is a a, a, a well what is it a well reasoned man is that what it is? No, it's actually a reasoned and well explained man. A reasoned and well explained man. Yeah, yes, these are all I, given to me by listeners, by the way. So I could I could have pulled a rich here and gone with another one given to you by a listener, but. I didn't. I, I didn't go with that one. Yeah, I know you're referring to the big bitch, aren't you? <laughs> the big bitch. That's all right. That yeah. was that was like a month straight that he called you big bitch every time. He, he's he's got a lot of pent up aggression towards me. He'll never admit it. Uh, you know, I mean, you, I'm sitting there at work with my my headphones in, and like he just he'd go big bitch Joe Lanza, and I just I crack laughing every time, and people look at me like I'm crazy, but. To I be fair, alliteration is fun. Yeah. So maybe it's it catchy. You got to give them that. <laughs> um, but we're here not to talk about Joe's uh, vulgar nicknames. We're here to talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling and more specifically New Japan's 2017. Now, this will be hitting, you know, a few days before Wrestle Kingdom. You know, obviously a very big show. And we figure this will be a good way if you're if you're jumping in late to the New Japan party here. If you only saw, you know, maybe a handful of shows last year, we'll kind of get you caught up on everything that happened in New Japan's 2017. And plus, of course, give our many varied opinions on New Japan's 2017. Um, I mean, this is not an episode where I'm going to sit. There's some of these episodes, like, say, the Ring of Honor one, where I'd seen all of two shows, or the WWE one, where, you know, I've seen probably, like, I don't know, like a tenth of all, probably less than that, probably like a hundredth. The amount of fucking you you know Joe how much stuff they put out. You watch somehow you want man to watch almost all of it, but you know. I have watched yeah. to this point every as as of this taping I've watched every match that has hit tape, with the exception of a few straggler main event episodes that like you know haven't come around on bull yet. <laughs> but other than that, I've seen everything. Unfortunately, it was pretty rough. Even all the two or five lives. <laughs> Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah! Everything, everything that's a tape. Yes. Wow, that's that's that, that's that is pretty. That's I don't know if that's impressive. Is that impressive? I don't know. I mean, I, I can't believe it. So, in, in, in that. Well, and, <laughs> see, the thing is about the the stuff like two hundred five live is easy. It's forty eight minutes. Sure. Terrible. Yeah. The slog part of it is getting through all the raws and smack. Oh, SmackDown's not that bad either. It's getting through the raws is the raws. Yeah, raw, raw make me raw make me lose <laughs> my mind. There's times where you're 80 minutes into Raw and you just want to do something else in the worst way. Mm-hmm. You know, and those are the, t- the tricky ones to get through. Yeah. Um, but yeah, every single but, fucking so, match. But the point, though, um, you, know, with, I, you know, I hadn't seen a lot of that. Um, but this will be much more like the DDT episode or the All Japan episode where I've seen almost everything that New Japan put out this year. Um, I have my very, my own very strong opinions, which... People who follow me on Twitter will know that I have some strong opinions on New Japan and that they they probably differ with Mr. Lanza 
in a few key areas. So we'll talk about that. I don't know. I don't know where you're at, Loss. I think you're. I think you're probably closer to Joe's opinions. Uh, in some respects, sure. But I mean, we'll see. So here's here's like the overarching theme of New Japan's 2017. To me, is that in almost every metric and every way, it was a huge improvement on the 2016. Is that yeah. fair? Would Would you just? Would anyone disagree with that? Um. Yeah, I, think I, pro- I probably dis- I, I would say I probably disliked the 2016 more than either one of you did, but I still think most people would agree 2017 was way better. Um, yeah, I think I would agree because like, was the heavyweight tag division also terrible last year? Yeah, was, I mean, I don't. 2016, yeah, yeah, that's uh, the one. That's the one area that really there's no improvement. But yeah, I think maybe. Um, I think maybe I liked what they did with the junior title a little more last year. Mm. Um, just a little bit more, though. I mean, but yeah, besides, I think, yeah, I think I think I'd agree with that in pretty much every way. I think this year was a, a huge upswing. What do you think, Joe? I think um, if you're looking big picture, in terms of business, there's no argument. In terms of the match quality, I think a pretty epic year in terms of match quality for the company and, and historic's a good word and clear clearing some pretty high bars over the last couple of years. So I would agree uh, there as well. And then, you know, there's also, I think a lot of the booking aspects were better in terms of they, they, there was really a lot of effort put into elevating a lot of people to that in terms of your evils and your juice Robinsons and people like that. So I would agree. Uh, 2017 was a, uh, just about every big picture aspect, you know, there's, there's, there's smaller aspects that we can get into and, and, and nitpick your stuff. Definitely. See, so now if I'm, if I'm going to look beyond and, you know, and what I would, what I would say beyond the big picture, you know, beyond the main event stuff, which I think was clearly a level above 2016, I thought the the Corricans were more watchable this year than they were last year, which for people like us that watch all, every single one of these shows, I think matters because you, you you forget how many of these fucking Corricans there are and you have to sit down and watch them all. And I think the Corricans, for to me at least, they were more, um, they were much more watchable. Like 2016, I thought the Corricans like really hit a fucking low point as far as like just being incredibly dull. And this year, I thought the Corkins. The Corkins were piss poor in 2016. Yeah. And people like us that picked up on it, it was the fans because their attendance started to take a hit. Yeah. So they turned that. Oh, sorry. We're all talking at once. Go ahead. Now nobody's talking. (laughs) I was just going to say that I think that. (laughs) I was just going to say that I think that they noticed that they were, you know losing fans in that building which should be the easiest building to draw in and uh and it resulted in, in far more interesting corkins this year than, as compared to last year yeah, yeah and i was just gonna say the fans smartened up to it because they're they, they realized they were getting uh weak cards and so they weren't gonna show up to what just whatever nonsense they were putting on yeah, you know, you look at the stuff they got this year. You know, they, I, I, they got a junior title match in Corkin this year, which I don't think happened in 2016. If it did, I don't remember it. So maybe, maybe it did. But was that Bushi, Bushi, maybe it was Kushida Bushi this year. Yeah, I don't that know was what. This I, year. Maybe yeah, 
I don't know if there was one in 2016 or not. Maybe someone will let us know if there was. But there was a junior title match. There was a lot of never six-man title matches. Um, it yeah. felt like it felt like we got more elimination matches, which are always, you know, a cool oh, yeah. Tons of elimination matches. And also, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the uh, I think it was Okada and Gato versus Tiger Mask W and Tiger Mask. Yeah. Yes. Cool little yes. match to get people, which it then, and this is all the kind of stuff that they were not doing last year. This is the kind of stuff you want to see in Cork. And obviously, New Japan team at this point, they're not going to give away matches in Corrigan, but they can still do cool shit like this. Why even have the never open weight six mans if, if you're not going to throw them on Cork and all shows like this and, and give the fans something interesting to sink their teeth into? So it's not like they don't have enough fucking titles. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know what? You know what I like to see? I'd like to, I'd like to see next year them do more never open weight title defenses, maybe? Like the single spot? Yeah, yeah. Because you already have a, um, you know, you, you have the U.S. title now, which I guess you can put as a number three belt in some buildings. So I'd like to see them maybe do like more never open weight title. Def- I think that would help a lot too. And I'll throw this in. It's, a, it's an open weight title. So why not get some juniors challenging for that thing? Well, that's been, that's been everybody's question for like three fucking years now, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Sure. And what I was saying was you can, you can fill Corrigan with lesser never challengers if you choose to do that. So I agree with what you're saying. I'm just not sure that they're ever going to do United States title defenses consistently in Japan. I think they kind of want to keep that special for the United States shows. But um, I guess time will tell. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like, you know, like if they do decide to do more never title challengers, you know, we could do the open weight part of it, like we were saying, and maybe do some junior defenses, which I'd like to say yeah. and do more of. Um, but even even if it's just going to be the never six man titles and the occasional junior title match, you know, that's better than we were getting in 2016. So, sure. you know, that, that's the kind of stuff that matters. That doesn't really matter, like big, big picture, but I think matters to like the hardcores. That are going to sit there and watch these Corrigans, because like I mean, a part, there were points in 2016 where it felt unwatchable. So I'm glad we've I'm glad that improved in a big way in 2017. Um, as far as like other other big picture stuff and other like um, like year over year stuff, I thought like the the he, he, so here's a like what what do they always say about WWE? They say they're quote unquote telling stories, <laughs> and like I I thought New Japan storytelling this year. And like their long-term angle stuff was a lot better than it was in 2016. And like the biggest example to me was like the whole, like, you know, what the big theme of the year being um, like Tetsuya Naito and his whole story. And, you know, I just did his write up today for the, for the ebook and like, you know, his story arc, when you really look at it, when he starts out the year as the intercontinental champion, he has this belt that he hates having and he has a very good reason they hate having it because it's the belt that made event the dome ahead of him. And he spends all this time, you know, abusing this poor title, you know, throwing it into the ring post, throwing it into the steps. He tried to pay for it at a convenience store. Do, do you guys remember that when he went to a convenience store and tried to and tried to pay for it? He tried to pay for his groceries with the Intercontinental title. <laughs> and like the, <laughs> the clerk, the clerk refused to take it. But yeah, so he has that whole arc. And then he loses about Tanahashi, um, which again is kind of coming full circle again since Tanahashi had had that had that lost him at the dome. And then you know he, he turns right around. He has a thing with Ishii, and then he goes on to win the G1. And 
again at the end of the G one, he just sits there and you know he says, you know, I was here before, three years ago, and I wasn't ready for this. And I mean, he came right out and said it. And you know, this time, I understand, you know, what New Japan, what the fans of New Japan want. I'm going to give it to them. I thought that was a really awesome story and just great long term booking with Naito. And you know, maybe it's not even intentional all of it because I'm not sure they. Now, obviously, they didn't want him to fail in 2014, but it really came back full circle with him. So, I mean, obviously, you can look at other examples, too, like the Omega Okada feud and everything else that, you know, other people liked more than I did. But I thought Naito's story this year was really something. Um, yeah, especially because coming off last year when um, he he won that title at Invasion Attack and then lost it, what, a couple months later at Dominion? And I was definitely one of those people who was upset and was like, why... Why is that? Why did he drop this so quick? And uh, seeing where he's come now, I feel like what they did was actually pretty genius because they kind of just they gave him that that little in to put him at that elite level, uh, but they they were saving his like uh, his like real push to the title for for like now. And um, uh, I think Joe said it before, and I gotta agree. I think he's peaking at the right time. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's 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 like the hottest thing in uh, in wrestling. It's like it's him, him and Omega, I guess. But uh, yeah, it's uh, I think what they've done with him is actually uh, it's, it's been sneakily good. What Gato's done with him, I think. Joe doesn't have anything to add. No, I mean, I think that. Um, yeah, I mean, he kind of stole my point. I, I do think that he's peaking at the right time, and I think. I think the first little title run uh, that drove a lot of people nuts, I think that was, you know, they gave you a little taste. You know, in wrestling, sometimes that's a good thing. You know, and, and, and they made people hungry for it. And the, the real run was always coming, and it, it appears to be coming now. And he's much hotter now than he was then. You know, it, it's the yeah. Tanahashi feud did wonders. I mean, that was just... It was the right guy, and they were the right matches, and um, he's really poised to have. And and the company as a whole is hotter too. That's the other aspect of it. So they've really set the deck for him perfectly here to have just a monster 2018 to build on everything that they did with Okada in 2017. You know, they've got a nice run now of sold out IWGP heavyweight title defenses with Okada this year that they can build on next year with NATO um, with the company being even hotter than it was before. And, you know, with what we looks to be the biggest dome attendance that they're going to have in the Bushi road slash Kadani slash Okada slash Naito era. Yeah. So um, they, they really couldn't, you, you, you're both right. I mean, they really couldn't have peaked this story better. Um, and in a year where really where a lesser talent, where a less charismatic person really could have easily gotten lost in the shuffle when you think about it, mm, yeah, you know, being kept out of the, the the mainline title mix, you know, obviously to, to to build to the big match, there was a purpose there, but you know, a lesser wrestler, you know, in that, and and yeah. not only did he not get lost in that, he's hotter than he's ever been. And peaking at precisely the right time. Yeah, I, the, I, I, the, sorry. Go the ahead. whole thing I wanted, yeah, the one, the thing too. I've seen a lot of people lately 
being like, well, if this was the plan, um, he could have been even hotter if he hadn't won already at Invasion Attack. But I, I don't know. I disagree with that. And I think, I don't think, first of all, I really don't think he could be any hotter than he is right now. Like, if if you think Naito could be hotter, like, he he's as hot as almost any wrestler has been in Japan like the last, what, like 15 years? You know, like, I mean, you know, they, yeah. they have people screaming for him, his merchandise selling out everywhere. Um, you know, like, just the Dome's going to do this, this record attendance. Like, it's just, I don't know how much hotter he could be. Well, the, the and the other very easy counter to that is then you don't have this Okada run, and you and no one can argue that it wasn't hugely successful, and that took the company to a new level. I mean, it guy sold out every fucking show. What more do you want? Yeah, you know, and it's like then you don't have that. You know, you could play butterfly effect all day long, but this was a huge year for the company, and a lot of that was Okada main eventing all these shows and selling them out against everybody. Anyone they threw in front of him, he sold it out. So what would, you know, it it would be one thing if Okada had a so-so year, then you can look back and say, okay, well, if they would have done this different and really ran with Naito at that point in time, he, maybe he would have had a bigger year than Okada, but you can't have a bigger year than that guy just had. So it's like, well, I don't don't think, well, I don't think the argument so much is about the, about if Naito had been champion all this time, I think it's like people. I see people saying if Naito had never won the title, then like if he had never mm-hmm. gotten that that one one and a half month run, would it be even a bigger deal for him to chase the title now? And I don't. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, and I don't. And I don't. I, I mean, I just don't see how it could be any bigger of a deal than it is right now. Like, I just, I don't know. It's That's a it's a pretty big fucking deal right now. So, like, I don't know. That's interesting. Do you think though, if he if he would have failed in his first attempt? After failing, you know, first yeah. attempt with a new gimmick, I mean, after after failing to get there under the previous gimmick, that it, it's kind of like, do fans yeah. lose a little bit of faith instead of instead of him heating up? Yeah, and like I, you know, you know, not to not to humble brag, but like I was in the building when he won the title at Invasion Attack, and the, you know, like people. It, that that title reign might look like nothing now, quote unquote, like a month and a half. But like, I saw grown people crying that he won this yeah. belt. Like, it was a big fucking deal that he won that title. Yeah. Like, there were women standing on their cha- on on their in their single boxes, just openly weeping that they saw this man win this title. So I don't know how you could argue that it wasn't a big deal just because he lost it. I mean, I think, and I think you're right that like. He needed to show these people that you know this is different now. You know this is low single over novelist Naito. I'm not going to choke. I'm not going to lose every time I have. And who did he? And who did he beat in that match? Yeah, he beat Okada exactly. And who did he lose to the first time at Wrestle Kingdom the year the year earlier or whatever yeah. it was? It was so now, if he didn't have that win, he'd be coming into this with two straight losses to this guy. And at that point, again, do fans? You know, because you got to look at this through the lens of a casual fan. A casual fan may not have faith the third time around. Yeah. Whereas I think this time, I, this time people might, you know, pe- some people might not think Naito's going to win necessarily. You know, it depends on what they're, I guess, how they're approaching it. But like, there's no one in that building that's going to think Naito can't win. Right. Whereas in 2014, I don't think anyone gave Naito a chance in hell of winning that match after it got them, especially after the well, match got demoted. Yeah. So I think it's interesting um, because I think usually you'd think like, the first title win, that's the bit, that's the crowning 
and you got to run with it after that, right? That's usually the, the structure for these type of things. Yeah. But with Naito, I think because his character was a heel, quote-unquote, when he won it the first time, uh, I got to say, since I've been following New Japan, that felt like the biggest, like, shift in, uh, like, the biggest title win since, like, the, since Okada's win over Tanahashi the first yeah. time. Because Well, that's the thing. Look at, look at Okada's first win over Tanahashi. That wasn't a long run. It was just telling people he can beat this guy. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, they, so, so it's, it fits a pattern, basically, is what we're saying. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but, yeah, so we should get into the actual year in review stuff, though. And we can start with last year's Wrestle Kingdom, uh, Wrestle Kingdom 11. Um, we don't have to go into a lot of depth on this because I feel like the show has been talked to death. But, <laughs> um, you know, the, the main four matches, obviously, just to have four matches like that back to back to back to back. Um, Hiromu Kushida, Goto Shibata... Naito Tanahashi and Okada Omega, and you know the, the, those are four really good matches. Um, you know, I personally would put Naito Tanahashi as the best of the four, but I really wouldn't argue with anyone who says Okada Omega was better. They're both. I mean, this is the one Okada Omega match. I don't of the three that I don't have any significant um, arguments against. Like this really was an incredible match. Um, I gave it like at the four and a half level instead of at the you know greatest match ever level but it was a really good match um but then again i i, I thought Naito tanahashi was really good as well and then really i don't think you can go wrong with any of those four matches um i don't know is there anything left to say about this show in general it was a very it was an amazing show it's like one of my favorite shows of all time i don't know i mean uh throw me in the uh greatest of all time match for that omega okada match that was uh that, yeah, it's, it's uh, not to spoil the, my awards later, but uh, yeah, that yeah that match that that match did something to me, and I didn't think it, I was after those other three. I didn't really didn't think that it could top those, yeah. but um, yeah. I mean, that was that was the that was basically the thing with that show. It's just at one match after another it was just so good. Yeah, and that even that junior match was so great. Everything. Yeah, the uh, junior match. I mean that. Great show. That was that was a coming out party for Hiromu. Really, and, it truly was. Yeah. Yeah. For people who didn't follow him in Mexico, for sure it was. Oh yeah. yeah. And I think that um, you know, I, I noted it on on the flagship show last week, but I remember in real time after that match, there were people going, "That's it. Nothing's topping that. <laughs> the next three matches have no chance." And I can understand where they were coming from because it was really great, you know. And um, but then everything one after another just kept topping each. It was just an incredible show, and I think the Goto Shibata match is a match that I've been pushing on people to, to to rediscover because I think it kind of got after those other two matches kind of avalanched it. I mean, that was yeah. a great fucking match, you know. Yeah. And the thing about Shibata is, you know, up through obviously uh, not Invasion Attack, Sakura, what's it called, Sakura Genesis now or whatever the hell yeah, they call it. Up through that, you know, I had him right there neck and neck with anybody else in this company in terms of, you know, wrestler of the year, those sorts of things. And this match was a great start for him. The other the one other match I want to mention was uh, a match that I think I love more than anybody else. And that was the Young Bucks Rapongi Vice match because it paid off <laughs> that long term Trent Rocky story that they were telling at the end of twenty sixteen, really the whole second half of twenty sixteen. And Trent takes that ridiculous ridiculous flip dive bump on the ramp which was just disgusting and really set the stage for Trent's entire year in New yeah. Japan and otherwise yeah. and the guy is taking crazy bumps and he had such a great year and then um, Rocky and Trent overcoming all and um, in that match and and you know I, I, I think that match 
uh, didn't get talked about enough at the time, obviously, because the great stuff that happened later on in the show, but really a great story match, Yeah, you know, on, on a show which had a lot of great, you know, whatever you want to call it, work rate stuff later on. Yeah, and the other thing is, I think all four or five of those matches, they were all very different, too. And I think that's what really is uh, uh, what makes that show so just blow away. What's really funny is they were like, they were, they were like, I don't know, depending on how you feel about the gauntlet. They were like four matches in a row that really were pretty bad. But because of what came after them, like, no one remembers it. Like, if you look back at that card, you have the Never Gauntlet. Which was like whatever that that was yeah. I guess it was fine. Cody and Juice Robinson, which I fucking hated, it was the start what? of like it, oh I hated that match. It was the start the of like Cody, so Cody wrestling to like complete silence, doing yeah. his like his heel stick and his posing and his stalling that just got no reaction. Um, the the Adam Cole Kyle O'Reilly World Title match that Kyle himself admitted <laughs> that New Japan fans took as a bathroom break. Yeah. And, and then the IWGP tag title three way that was like, you know, yet another like heatless whatever tag title match. I don't even uh, remember that match right now. <laughs> it was pretty terrible. It's just funny to me, like that because then after that tag title match, we start the run of the four amazing matches. But I remember in real time, people just burying the show, being like, "This is fucking sucked." <laughs> and then it's like, well, you know, I know it didn't have heat, but I like that O'Reilly call match. Maybe I'm the only one. It wasn't great. I, it was it was well it was well worked but nobody cared and it it, and, no, they, and they didn't get any time. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing. It was too short. Yeah. Well, it went like ten minutes because yeah. it had no heat, so probably was the perfect length. But I just I just thought that was funny looking back at the card and being like, well, no one remembers this now because of how great the the last four matches were. But those four matches that's a pretty rough stretch. Even if that Cody match was bad, I think Juice's performance in that plays into a lot of his rest of the year, though. I would say. That's fair. I thought he was very good in that match, and I think he was. New Japan recognized it, and I think the, I think the crowd recognized it to some degree. At least how hard he worked. Yeah, well, Juice, Juice is cool. I don't know against Juice, yeah. but Cody Cody needs to stay home next year. Talk about a guy. <laughs> talk about a guy maximizing an opportunity, though. He was really thrown mm-hmm. into that match to do a job for Cody, and he yeah. had never really had. That might have been his first focused singles match in the company, right? I don't think he had anything in the prior year. He was still a tag yeah. guy. Um, taking taking pinfalls, and um and and you make a good loss and makes a good point. I mean, his performance was very good, and who knows that may have been given them the confidence to do a little bit more with him moving forward. You know, I yeah. mean, you know, it's possible. Um, ne- next I had New Japan New Year Dash, which I just wanted to mention a couple of things on the show. We had Team Two Thousand and Cheeseburger, which I thought was just such a fucking awesome. Like, um, which team was this again? This was Team 2000, so Hirose Saito, um, Hiroshi Tenzan, Satoshi Kojima, and Scott Norton. And then they had honorary member Cheeseburger. And the five of them faced the Bullet Club, which was such a cool little winking thing for the longtime fans since Team 2000 was like, you know, they were the Bullet Club before there was a Bullet Club since they, yeah. came, they came right after NWO Japan. So that, that was such a cool little thing. Um, I hope they, they should do more of that sometimes. Just like stuff that references their history for longtime fans is really cool. Um, the and then you also have the first of the first of many uh, never open weight title changes on the Kurikan here with Tan- <laughs> Tanahashi, Manabu Nakanishi, and Ryusuke Taguchi. I still think my favorite of the of the never trios this year. Just such a wacky trio. Had, that was like when Nakanishi was wearing his sunglasses and stuff. So, yeah, I, and people, people may have forgotten about it, and that, that'll probably be the last title he ever holds. Yeah, probably. Yeah. He's probably. a guy who they've really downcycled to the point where 
He doesn't even participate and take falls anymore. They don't even put him on a lot of tours anymore. Yeah. So he's kind of just, you know, he's headed towards, you know, super strong machine land where you're, you're barely ever going to see him and it's just going to continue to dwindle. Um, you know, but so it goes. Nobody beats the hourglass. So he's going to be, he's, he's pretty much a Kurokin guy at this point, And that's it. Yeah. Which is, you know, that was like, that pretty much was super strong machines last stop before it was just retirement. So, yeah. Um, I mean, with guys like Nagata and Tenzan and Liger all like moving out of like a relevant program, like forever, like, you know, something like Nakanishi's not gonna. Kojima too, you know, and it's like. Yeah. Well, Kojima's still in G1s, right? He's still in G. He's a, he's the, he's the G one jobber now, and but the thing about Kojima is, you get the sense he'll 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 get another G one or two because he if you notice in these in these six and eight man tags he always scores the fall, yeah. so they keep him strong to a point because I think they still plan on sticking him in tournaments. So you want those when everybody's beating him for those wins to appear to be relevant. Um, Tenzan never scores the fall anyway. It's always Kojima. And I think a big part of that, too, is just how long Kojima was in all Japan, you know? Like, you almost have, like, Tenzan was in every single G1 all those years that Kojima was in all Japan. So it probably feels like, well, you know, not not that he's making up for lost time, because obviously it would have been a bigger deal then. But, you know, you can have him maybe go a few years longer because, you know, he just wasn't around all those years. So it's not like you saw him year after year in the G1. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean the simple fact that he can still go. Yeah, which probably again has that probably has a lot to do with being in all Japan, and you know I'm sure they had a they had a uh, a lighter schedule. Um, so moving on then to February, the new beginning shows. Um, it starts in Sapporo, which had a main event of Okada and Minoru Suzuki. I don't I don't remember how you guys felt about this match. I really hated this match. Um, I thought this match was like pretty. Pretty easily to me, the worst of the Okada title defenses this year. Uh, when it went way too long, you know, almost forty-one minutes. Um, I really didn't. I didn't like. I, Okada's like work selling was good in spots, but also like I thought very inconsistent and almost, almost felt too over the top. By the time he got to like just, you know, him just screaming in, a, in that leg hold for like fifteen minutes, it felt like. And then you know when he did that drop kick, after all that, I know what people hate. The, 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 the leg side nitpicking, but to have him sit in that leg hold for 15 minutes and then jump up and do that drop kick perfectly, I just, I, I don't know. That killed that match for me, that drop kick. So I just, I really didn't like this match at all. Um, I'll give you my take on that match, but very quickly, a little trivia note. The first New Japan match of 2017 was Yuji Nagata against Tomoyuki Oka on 1 3 at the, uh, you know, they do a little festival before the dome. Yeah. And the final match of New Japan in 2017 was Yuji Nagata versus uh, uh, Yuma Aoyagi from uh, All Japan. So he was in the first and last match of the year for New Japan. So oh, that's fun. Um, probably something nobody cares about but me. But <laughs> that's, that's a cool little thing. But there you go. Um, as far as Okada Suzuki goes, a very divisive match, and I can understand why. I liked it. Um, I know Rich did not like it, so we had a nice uh, heated debate about it on on, on our show. Um, I thought the long leg lock was dramatic. I can totally see where some people would think that the long leg lock was really fucking stupid. Um, but I, I, you know, I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was dramatic. I thought um, it really uh, exemplified the, the long-term stories of both men. Suzuki is just this monster who will eat you. He will rip your heart out and eat it. 
He doesn't care. He will cripple you with no remorse. And they were setting the scene for Okada's story of the year where he is just this this force that may bend, but you cannot break him. And um, I think this match was important in establishing that. But uh, this is not a match. This is not a match where I will die on a hill because I totally get the criticisms. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with the, the – okay, so I really like this match too. Um, I actually thought it was really great. I would have been that excellent until that last leg lock because it goes it goes on forever, and it's just unbelievable how long he's in that leg lock without – he's like 35 minutes into this match. But I thought everything besides that, I really enjoyed the side of Okada that Suzuki brings out when they wrestle. Like the uh, – like he goes old school and just starts like doing the Puro slaps thing. Which Okada yeah. never really does, unless like Suzuki baits him into it. Uh, yeah, I loved Okada's son throughout this. I also love Suzuki working from the top uh, with just killing him all over the arena. I just thought I was really engaged by all that. And I remember there were people who thought that Suzuki could win this. And I was, I, I don't know, I never thought that, but there were people at the time who felt like, oh, Suzuki came in, he's here to reclaim the title. And I, so I thought I was pretty compelled by it. I thought everything besides that final leg lock was really uh, well executed. You're not wrong. In hindsight, it sounds silly, but there were a lot of people who thought he could win. Yeah. You know, and, and, and you're not <laughs> wrong about that. Um, the the other, there, you know, there was another match on that show. That, if you want to talk about Juice Robinson's coming out, it was that Goto match. Yes. Yeah, that was good. Yes. I really, that, I, I, I dug that match a lot. Yeah. And um, that that was the official coming out party of Juice Robinson. That's when people really started to take notice and he, he really took off from there. But um, that, that was an excellent match. Did he pin go to a dash? Yeah. To earn that title shot. Yes. Right. So yeah, yeah, that was, yeah. And he, he really brought in that match. That was a really uh, overlooked, but really good match. Yep. So, so yeah, I mean, that was probably match of the night for me too, but overall I thought this show was like, just kind of there. Um, the, the next new beginning show, though, in Osaka, that was the the show of this new <laughs> beginning tour. Um, you have, I mean, you have the, the Red Pro British title match with Okada beating Will Ospreay. That, I remember being a little disappointing, but still good. Um, you had the junior title match with Hiromu and Dragon Lee. That was really good. I think like probably like four and a quarter level. Um, maybe not quite as good as some of the CMLL stuff, but still a really, really good match. And then you have the main event with Naito and Michael Elgin. Um, I, I know Michael Elgin is not a popular guy nowadays, but uh, I can't <laughs> I can't pretend I didn't love this match. I mean, I gave this five stars at the time, and you know, I even went back and rewatched it. It still holds up. I mean, this is just an incredible match. Um, you know, Elgin's Elgin did like an amazing job selling the leg that Naito worked over in this match. I mean, he, he just had this constant limp. For the rest of the match, that I just thought was like you know even better than Okada's leg selling at the in the the match with Suzuki, and then like they just go into this this crazy like finishing stretch where like um, this they I just remember like I vividly remember Elgin at one point hitting a spiral bomb on Naito and Naito kicking out and this woman in the second row like has a seizure at this kick out like she just freaks the fuck out at this kick out like she just had. I don't know. I don't know who she was cheering for, but she just was like so, like, just moved. I guess by this kick out, just like jumped out of her seat. It was just incredible. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was a incredible match. I thought, and you know, the the beginning. I th- well, I mean, really, the Tanahashi match was the beginning, but 
you know, just a, a great show and an amazing performance by both Nitro and Elgin. Yeah, I love that Nitro Elgin match too. I so what, the thing that led to that spiral bomb, I remember vividly. Elgin power bombs him on the apron, then he power bombs him into the um, guardrail, then immediately throws him in the ring, gives him the spiral bomb, and Naito kicks out, which is insane because they're all like variants of his finish, and arguably like super versions of them, like on the apron and the, and so, and at this point, like Naito, you know, he's still kind of a heel, and heels like getting to kick out of finishes, finishes are really protected in New Japan. That's one of the things I love about it. So that was like, yeah, that was a huge, I popped huge when I saw that happen as well. Yeah. Yeah, finishers during this era of New Japan, I think that's one thing. Um, even the people most critical of New Japan I've spoken to have said they, they do protect the finishes well and they get the finishes over. Um, so you're right about that. I went five stars on this too. I thought it was a phenomenal match. Yeah, five stars um, all the way. <laughs> Elgin's, Elgin's leg selling in this match was just, and, and look, I'm not a huge guy. Here's the thing about leg selling. Okay. I, I like great leg selling more than I hate bad leg selling. Does that make sense? Yeah. I can kind of overlook poor leg selling depending on what kind of match it is and all that, but I really get into it when it's great leg selling. Um, and Elgin was great here and Elgin and you know, we're only breaking down ring work here. Okay. (laughs) Elgin had a great fucking year. Not only in this company uh, with great matches, but in places like AEW too. And this was probably—I mean, there's some others we're going to talk about, but this, yeah, a great G1 in my opinion. But it, it, he, this was maybe his best overall performance of them all. And really, this was a low-key great show because I loved that Hiromu Dragon Lee match. I thought I thought you undersold it a little. I thought it was one of their best. I went four and three quarters on that. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I like and I like the Shibata Osprey match more than most people too. I, I I thought they did some really creative things, um, working t- to each other's uh, gimmicks and, and and things of that nature. And I went well over four for that too. And don't forget, this had a uh, never open weight six man title change too. It was the first title run for Bushi Evil and Sonata. The first of many for Bushi Evil and Sonata. It feels like they won that title a thousand times. It was probably only two or three it was, times. It was three. It was three. Yeah. It's three. Yeah. yeah. So and that was the end of uh, you know the 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 last. You know that that put out the flame of the final Nakanishi push. Yeah, yeah. But great, I, I, I would agree. A really good show. Yeah, I also want to. Yeah, I agree on that Osprey Shibata match as well. Because isn't that when he debuted that like apron roll thing he does? Yes. This is the first match I ever saw him do that. And I mean that pop. I think he did it really early in the match, and maybe he peaked that. I think maybe that match peaked a little early, if I remember correctly. But it's really cool and like just a unique match to go back and watch too. That was he may have done that apron roll in in europe or something but that's the first time he did it in new japan for sure yeah. i mean this is a guy who they never give him singles matches so i mean he never really has a chance to do stuff like that but yeah that's the first time he did it in new japan yeah um so the end of uh, end of february we had the honor rising shows i i really don't remember anything from these shows so i'm, I'm not sure if there's anything really to talk about um other than the delirious there was the amazing uh never open weight six-man title challenging team of Jushin Liger, Tiger Mask, and Delirious. How awesome was that? That does stand out, I guess. But they didn't—they <laughs> did not win the titles. And uh, I, I talked to a few people who really liked the uh, the Godo versus Punishment Martinez. Yes, I was going to bring that up if you didn't. Okay. Yeah, that was—I mean, that was cool. <laughs> I don't remember it being that great, but a lot of people told me it's really, really good. Um, it's funny that you like that match, Joe, because like someone who I would consider like your nemesis really likes that match too. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. It's not like I think it's a match of the year contender or anything like that. But, but I, you know what it was coming into that match. I was just banging on Punisher Martinez. I was making fun of this book. I'm like, why are they putting Punisher Martinez in this match? Of all people, they're wasting Goto. And this is the match where I turned the corner on Punisher or Punishment it, yeah, Martinez. Punishment, I think. Yeah, it they was Punisher it, for a while. I think they changed yeah. Okay, I yeah. see. Because they have it listed as Punisher on Cage Match I don't, for this match, so I don't know. So. But Corkin did not know what to make of that man. No, they had no idea. <laughs> they were like, who the fuck is this tall-ass Hispanic man? They had no idea. Yeah, and the, and the thing about Punishment Martinez, I'm never going to sit here and tell you he's some refined worker or anything like that. He's awkward. He's an awkward dude. Yeah. But he busts his ass, he tries, and I thought he kicked ass in this match. And I thought Goto did a great job with him. And Goto always finds himself – poor Hiroki Goto, who I love, one of my favorite wrestlers ever, always finds himself in these matches that no one ever remembers, like the Juice Robinson match we just talked about and this match. He's always in like these low-key – even the Shibata match. I mean the guy goes out there as a – he has his – the best match of his career in the worst year ever to do it where no one's ever going to remember it because he did it in January and he did it in a year where there's 9,000 five-star matches. I mean Goto just can never catch a break. But yeah, I, I enjoyed the the shit at that Goto Punishment Martinez match. And of course, who can forget the the uh, another classic match in Adam Cole's Ring of Honor World Title Reign oh, against no. Yoshi Hashi. If 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 that <laughs> if you told me that match did not actually happen and Cage Match made it up, I would believe you because I really remember nothing from that match. I don't remember that match at all. It went seventeen. It went sixteen and a half minutes. Apparently, it went. It went. It went, they got time, and I, I went four and a quarter on that fucking match. That was a good oh, okay. – that was really? the best Adam Cole match maybe of the year for me because he did not have a good year. Even though he was high profile in a lot of places, um, he's just not very good. I mean I think the guy's very overrated, but yeah. I enjoyed the well, – Wait a second. Is he overrated? Because I don't – who well, is overrating him at this yeah, point? That's a good point. You know, that's a like, good point. I don't know. Like I'm, I'm still looking for these, especially in our circle of fans. Like – this is not a guy that everybody decided it was cool to dislike when he went to NXT. This is a guy that nobody liked before he went to NXT. Like so, I never saw anybody be like, "Oh, Adam Cole is great." Um, I guess I'm more. I'm I'm probably one of the more Adam Cole guys in the uh, in, in the group, or whatever. But like, I, look, he's not a he's not an elite worker. He's never been an elite worker. I think with the right opponents, he can be very good. Uh, I think Kyle O'Reilly is one of his best opponents, but um. Yeah, no, he's not. I don't know. I probably like a lot of his matches more than uh, most people in the. <laughs> I mean, the, the final, the, the, the final, the the final battle, the final battle twenty sixteen match I was at that was actually pretty decent. But yeah, like, even when his matches are good to me, it's like three and a half. Like that to me has always been at my my ceiling yeah. about him. Cole, I think That's even, Cole. Yep. I think he's yeah. better than Cody, but like not as good as like uh like a like a Finn Balor. I would say. Yeah, I guess that's pretty fair. You know, I don't even like Finn Balor that much either. But yeah, that's that's fair. <laughs> I you know the Finn, yeah. You know the best match on those Honor Rising shows was probably a match that you got. You'll you, you'll think I'm making it up if I tell you this match, but it was yeah. legit the best match show. It was the Okada Willow Spray and Briscoes against Kenny Omega, Cody Rhodes, and the Bucks. So that was the, yeah, the main event. The main event night yeah. too. Yeah, I, I remember that being good. That was awesome. I went four and a half on that. I thought it was great. Yeah, Lots, I, don't know, I, don't went, I don't know if I went that high, but. I can't imagine Cody topping that in a singles match. I mean, no, probably not. <laughs> not like, believe me, he probably wasn't the reason for the rating. 
but uh, he's the but, weak, he's the weakest guy there for sure. But yeah, it was yeah, I remember that being a great match. Um, March first, Korokan New Japan Road. I just wanted to mention it had that tag match. Uh, Joe was talking about before Tiger Mask and Tiger Mask W double, uh, not W double. Everybody <laughs> defeating Okada and Gato, um, which you know that was a that was a cool little match to book for Korokan and. You know, something they probably need to do, given that they're booking Kirk in like the third time in, you know, four, I think four days, right? Because yeah, February is twenty-eight days, so yeah. Um, but yeah, that that was that was a fun match, and it led up to the forty-fifth anniversary show. Um, but you know, that's the forty-fifth anniversary show. It's a weird like mid-sized show. So it's held in uh, the Older War Gymnasium, which is you know this this thirty-five hundred seat building. You know, so it's like it's a it's bigger than a hurricane, but it's not as big as like a true big show. And, you know, that main event was this non-title match with Okada and Tiger Mask double. Um, you know, I don't think we have to, we don't have to do kayfabe here. Tiger Mask obviously being a bushy. And, and, <laughs> and, and they had, I thought, you know, a really incredible match. And, you know, a, a really, it's, it's a match that's easy to forget because it wasn't a title defense for Okada. But I like this better than a lot of Okada's title defenses. So I thought this was like, you know, I think I went like four and a half on this. And I thought it was, um, you know, a really outstanding match. I, this match surprised me because because it wasn't a title match. I did not think they were going to go all out the way they did. Yeah, I didn't either. I did not expect this to be like, like when Okada took the um, the Tiger Driver off the top. I'm like, dude, what are you? This is not even a title match. Like, I didn't even... I couldn't believe the stuff they were doing. And I uh, went mental. I went mental when they did that. <laughs> well, the, well, the, thing, the thing that made me go mental is when when Ibushi, you know, he almost drops the gimmick at one point and starts doing those, yes. those kicks. The those kicks he starts doing those kicks from the Nakamura match on Okada. Um, and like yeah. that, I almost, like, I did not see that coming at all. I lost my mind. Well, that, was that. The, that was what was so awesome about the match. Like the story they were telling, like, like Okada was treating it like an exhibition match yeah. early on. And he was just fucking around with them, and it pissed Abushi off. And like you say, he part of the story of the match is that he almost broke gimmick because they're not even pretending that you know that, that people don't know who's under the mask. And I had, yeah. no, by the way, I had no idea it wasn't Tiger Mask W. So you know, oh. I, I, I don't <laughs> watch. The, listen, I don't watch the cartoons. It's right? It's, so, it's, a, it, it's, a, it's, it's an anime. Yeah, it's an anime <laughs> trope because like. Uh, there's common rider double. They always they spell that with a W. It's just I don't know why, but double. If you see a W in like a Japanese setting, it usually means double. Mm-hmm. I don't. I know. Don't ask me why, but that's what it means. Yeah, I, I love. There's nothing I love more. I think the, the Abushi spot where like he gets pissed and just beats a guy up in the corner, and then the other guy gets pissed and beats him up in the corner. I will yeah. pop for that spot every time, and he does it. He only really does it in the big matches, but I, I love beast mode abushi when he gets upset and then just start, start throwing those palm strikes and stuff it's great yeah so so like i like you're saying i don't think anyone expected that out of this match and i remember was... okada called him out in, yeah. in storyline yeah, he challenged yeah. Him. so a really incredible match and on top of a low-key good show because you have um you know, it was definitely memorable. You have the the Taichi and Kanemaru winning the tag the junior tag titles. Not necessarily a good match, but it was a title change. Mm-hmm. You have Zack Saber Jr. beating Shibata for the British heavyweight title, and this is where Minoru Suzuki runs out and um, you know, basically helps him win. They did a, they did a really clever little fake out. If you you have to be paying really close attention, but like at the you know how they they put the match lineup on the screen at the very start of the show, you know, right there it said Zack Saber Jr. and then in parentheses chaos. 
Yes. So it makes you think Saber's coming as a Chaos member, and then it turns out it's a swerve, and you know he was actually joining Suzuki Goon. So let so. me let me let me see what uh, I got a question. You okay. can both give your you can both give your opinion on this. So in the annals of New Japan history, is he considered a Chaos member who jumped to Suzuki? I say yes. I would say yeah. I would agree. Yes, he's listed as a Chaos member. The only thing I would want, I would really love for like, I don't think, to my knowledge, Okada or Gator or anyone ever said, you know, oh, we've recruited him for Suzuki Goon or for Chaos, and he swerved us and joined Suzuki Goon. I would have loved to have a quote from them to like really put it over the top. But yeah. I would, I would still, I would still say, absent of anything else, any other information, I would say yes. I would call were any of the lower level Chaos geeks uh, seconding him. Do you remember? No. I don't think they were. No, no, there was nobody else out there with him out there. No. So, I, I, so I, uh, it's it's a tough call, but I would say yes until. Yeah, I guess I guess you could say yes. I don't know. It's, it doesn't really matter to me either way, honestly. <laughs> I think it's interesting I, I, to interesting to consider, like you know, yeah. because if the if if they if they like like you said, if they put it up there on the graphic mm-hmm. and advertise it as such, then yo, know, I say that yeah, he jumped. Yeah, I mean, and, and it played into like you know how chaos chaos have recruited a notable British indie wrestler before. With right. Will Ospreay, so it's like, oh, here they go, they chaos grabbing a euro again. But you know, it turned. Out I hated, be... I hated that bullshit. Look, I hated all the Zack Saber Junior matches where Suzuki Gun got involved. I thought it ruined the Goto match too. The yeah, one. I mean, the, the you know Suzuki Goon. Like, if you're if you're gonna point at one thing that was a flaw in in New Japan this year, like a big flaw, I would say the Suzuki Goon heavyweight stuff because yeah. I, yeah. it didn't bother me nearly as bad as the juniors. Because there's something there's something charming about Taichi and Taka and Desperado and all these guys and, and you know part of it and even to a lesser extent Kanemaru with his with his whiskey bottle and you know and it's it's the fucking junior division like you know it's it's not as important so like I don't it doesn't it doesn't bother me but with Suzuki and you know this he's never these main event matches I and mean, we're gonna yeah. get into it later but like that Suzuki Elgin match might be like the worst match. Yeah. Of the year in New Japan, yeah. it's just it was just bullshit. It was, and it, you know, and I felt like people who were excited for the return of Suzuki going to the start of the year. I almost wanted to be like you. You guys just did not watch any Noah <laughs> over the past two years. Yeah. And I think anybody who was watching pro wrestling Noah was not excited at all for this return because they were we were just like, yep, uh, now it's back here. It's just we the uh, the cancer moved basically. <laughs> I'm far but, from a purist, but this is where I agree with all the purists that I really don't want this, this like bullshit interference stuff in my, in, not in my new Japan, not in my heavy well, I mean, new Japan. I don't, I don't need it. I mean, I don't need a complete ban on interference. Like there, if you can, if you can play into the story of the match and you know do it sparingly, you know, like the way, like okay, the way the Bullet Club does it, and to a lesser extent, Lij did it. Although people, I don't know if people even noticed that there was basically almost no Lij interference all year long. Yeah. But they like they almost completely. I, I think that's because when you have Suzuki Goon there, you know, like that's exactly why. Yeah, that yep. is. That's, yeah. That's, but but like, but I don't know. Like the way they did. Like if, there were times with Bull Club where it really annoyed me too, actually. But, yeah, but if you notice, it's always one unit at a time. Yeah, basically. They really they really try not to overload you with it. And from that perspective, even though I fucking hate it and I can't stand it, and like Lawson said, I don't like it in my New Japan because I get enough of that and. In, in Western companies, look, I, I, I kind of have to concede that, look, maybe some people do like those over-the-top heel stables, and maybe that is their thing, and not everything on the show has to be for me. 
Yeah. Sure. And and you, sometimes you just have to accept that. I mean, there can be it, it can be fun and there can be good drama when like you know the the baby faces run out and cut the heels off from interfering or whatever. Yeah. But like, but but on the same token, it can make the baby faces look like fucking idiots when. I think this happened in the Suzuki Elgin match, or maybe one of the other Suzuki Goto matches, where the baby faces save them, and then the baby face loses anyway. So yeah. that yeah. just makes them look like complete dorks. Well, but, I mean, yeah, my my podcast partner Benel actually is one of those people. He, he he, where he says like, "Oh, the only real heels in New Japan are uh, Suzuki Gun," and I, well, and I mean, I'm like, "Well, you know, really wrong. their matches still get ruined. Like, it's still like, I still hate like, it, but like, I don't know. I I." I I can enjoy the to me like the I can the fact that I can enjoy the junior stuff tells me it's not like all interference is automatically bad. It's just like yeah. maybe just keep it out of the main events. It would be yeah. I just don't like it in important. I don't like it in important matches. Yeah, I, just, yeah. I can't deal with it. Like you said, the four juniors they're all sleaze ball gimmicks anyway. Yeah, keep yeah. the sleaze with the sleaze. Like like just keep it contained into one area. I I really like I really enjoyed Tai Chi this year, and I know like Tai Chi had a great year. I think Joe I think Joe agreed with me too. Yeah, I think we talked about this on Twitter, but like I don't I I thought Tai Chi was really fun this year. And I know pe- some people think I'm crazy when I say that, but like between there was a there was a junior tag title match we're gonna get to I guess with him and Ken not this run, but when they they challenged uh, Taguchi and Ricochet later in the year that was like might have been the best match of the entire Destruction tour. And then, like, he had that match with with Yuma Yogi in All Japan. That was awesome. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. He just he, he just had a way better year this year. That match with Taka and the best of Super Junior. Like, he spent, like, ten minutes just trying to out-cheat each other. Like, that was so fucking funny. I don't care what anybody tells you. That match, like, I was laughing up a storm for that match. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. I enjoyed Taichi a lot this year. The only problem I had with the Suzuki Gun Juniors because I, I I enjoyed them all too, and you know I'm the world's biggest Yoshinobu Kanemaru fan going years mm-hmm. back. But is that when there was an injury, the two teams got mixed up, and I mm-hmm. hated that. It's got to be Taka and Taichi. It's got to be Kanemaru and Despi, and they finally realigned them at the end of the year yeah. um, when they got healthy again. But that, was- that's the kind of stuff that irrationally bugs me. Mm-hmm. I didn't like that the two teams got mixed up. I mean, the Taichi Kanemaru team, like I said, did have, like, to me, one really outstanding match. So they, you did get that at least. But um, let's get back into the uh, in order here, though. But yeah, 45th anniversary show. If you if you skip that one, think it was a smaller show or just if you flew under your radar, that was the March 6th show I owed award. I would definitely go back and check that one out because that was pretty cool. Um, after that, we had the New Japan Cup, which is always kind of a cluster. Um, you know, as far as like upsets and stuff happening, I mean, the big one in the first round, there, there were a few big ones in the first round, actually. Um, there's evil beating Tanahashi on the main event of the March 11th show, which really started a, a year for evil of just, you know, elevation and getting his first real singles run. I mean, you know, that's a, even coming down, they were telling a story too with Tanahashi, you know, being in the slump, but even so, I think that the, the win over Tanahashi really helped evil. In retrospect, what a huge yeah! I didn't I forgot about that actually that I was in the first round. Yeah, but I'm sorry, that, but that's that's just what a huge your evil had. I didn't uh, I, I forgot about that actually. And and I remember going into the match like people did not think evil had any chance to win because if you remember like in in the feud in February like evil like laid out Tanahashi a million times. Yeah, like so people thought going into the that's match right. like like it was going to be Tanahashi's revenge and yeah. evil instead you know just beats him. But was that a um, missed finish or was that a clean finish? No, I think there. I think it there was, was a little bit of interference, right? Or was it, it was missed like, though? 
<laughs> there was yeah, I think there, I think it was a misting or something like a, that. There was a misting, okay. Yeah, so I think Evil Evil used a black mist, I think, for the first time. Gotcha. That sounds that sounds I could be totally making that up, but that sounds didn't, right. he, didn't he lay out Tanahashi at um was it the not the anniversary show, but um there was a tag Evil and Hiromu against Tanahashi and Kushida. Oh, I remember that. I that match, I remember really liking that match too. Yeah, it was a really good match, and I think he laid him out there. I don't remember who won. I think no, Lij. Lij. No, no. I think maybe Kush. Um, no, Lij. I think uh, I think Lij won. And it was a quirk and show. Actually, let me see if I can pull it up. But Evil I think it was a. Laid him out. Yeah. Yeah, and then Evil laid him out for sure. I, I don't. I don't know if they won the match. But Evil laid him out, and it set the scene for for New Japan Cup. Or well, Kushida might have pinned Hiromu for the first time with like a bridge. That might have been the thing. Yeah. He might have caught him with one of those uh, those prawn uh, holes or something. But uh, you know, another example yeah. of doing something decent on Corkin as yeah. opposed to the. Year so 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 you it was a misting. Yeah, I just looked this up. By it the was way. so red, red shoes. It wasn't really like an interference, but Evil just kind of there wasn't really any interference. Just. Red shoes kind of end up like taking a bump, and Evil missed him, and then hit the hit the move. Hit the Evil. Yeah. So there you go. So not not completely clean, but like not like you know. But he beat him. It still, yeah. it still felt like a big win. Yeah, yeah, it was huge. Yeah. Um, and then you know the following night, March twelfth, um, you had Ishii defeating Omega. Oh, that was I fucking think, great. Yeah, this, it was a, it was a really good great. match. <laughs> but like, but the result, right? Like, no, I don't, I don't know if anyone saw that coming. Uh, no, yeah, like, like, it's it seems so obvious. Like as soon as I saw it happen, it seems so obvious. It's yeah, like, this yeah. company always does that. Like yeah. it, 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 like it, it, they'll do stuff like this, and then you're like, "Why am I so fucking stupid?" Of course, this makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It's because I mean, we're not as patient as Gano is. That's. Why. <laughs> I mean, the idea was basically to make sure that Omega couldn't do, you know, wasn't going to get the title match right away at Soccer Genesis, which we all wanted. Yeah, so, yeah. so you, like. <laughs> You take him, you take him out of it, basically. Yeah. But yeah, and there, and there would have been like some match in the second round, right? That was like, like I think he would have had to face Shibata or something if he had won. Yeah, he eventually faced Shibata. I, well, he would have had to face Shibata. Or, he would have had to face the winner of Shibata, uh, Suzuki, I think. No, no, so no. People... I think I think Ishii faced Sonata. Yes. Oh, he faced Shibata face? in the quarter. Who the, who the fuck? Yes. Did Ishii, who the fuck? Did, oh, Ishii faced Sonata. Sonata. Yeah. I could have sworn there was something where people were like, "Oh, if Ke- you know, Kenny wins this, he's gonna have a big match against blah blah blah." Suzuki. Maybe I think just... people thought Suzuki was gonna win, also maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, so the point is though, so Kenny gets eliminated in the first round, and you know he ends up, um, you know, getting getting kind of a, a detour. And the whole thing was Kenny had said if he had won the title, he would have wanted to face Ishii as his first defense. So I guess that was kind of like. Be careful what you wish for, basically, because you would have lost the title. I was so uh, happy about that because I, I mean, it ended up happening, but I wanted these guys to keep wrestling like all year. Yeah, and I got my wish. So, but yeah, and and this was also the, the we didn't even mention it, but like Kenny did that. Kenny basically worked the sheets after the Tokyo Dome with that whole, um, you know, oh, is you yeah, gonna yeah. is you gonna leave thing where we it, it's pretty much considered that he was probably on a contract the whole time, right? He didn't I work didn't this know. website. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, was with Joe the whole time on that. I we, was like, he's not leaving. We we talked know. about it at length every week on the flagship, and we not only talked about it. I mean, we got we got confirmation from the fucking office, and still nobody would listen to us because yeah. 
Dave either got worked or was going along with the work. I don't think Dave would go along with the work to that extent. I think historically, historically, if you look with Meltzer, if he knows something's up, he just keeps his mouth shut. He doesn't yeah. perpetuate a work. He just doesn't talk about it, and he lets people be surprised. I think he got worked here. Yeah, uh, I agree. You know, and 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 you know, when we approached the office. They were so nonchalant about it. They were like, ah, no, no, no. We got big plans for Kenny this year. He's not going anywhere. And then just like changed the subject. Like to them, it wasn't even a thing. Like, no, this is just silly. You know, yeah. and, and so, you know, yeah, my my interpretation of it was he was never even a free agent at any point. Yeah. He just was under contract the entire time. And he just it was an excuse to miss the entire Fantastic Mania. And keep he his missed, name in the news while he was missing. Yeah, missed new he missed the whole new beginning tour, but like yeah, yeah just yeah. so he comes back for this and then loses to Ishii, which, you know, I guess was stunning at the time, but then in hindsight just looks like, like Because he was the, the hottest there. thing in wrestling at this time too. That's the other thing. Yeah. He was Mr. Wrestling at this point. So, you yeah. know, and people and people thought, you know, there, there was all that wacky shit like, oh, he's gonna show up for the rumble, which in hindsight yeah. looks so fucking stupid now. Yeah. Um, well, he, well, here's the thing. He's brilliant. He worked everyone. He had yeah. WWE wrestlers mentioning his name on, <laughs> on in WWE videos on YouTube, connecting him to the Rumble because he had everybody worked. And then, you know, eventually they took those comments down. Yeah. Uh, WWE did. But he had everybody fooled from Dave Meltzer to WWE wrestlers to, you know, everybody but this website. We don't get credit for it. I'm pissed off about it. <laughs> um, so the New Japan Cup ended up with Shibata beating Bad Luck Fale on March 20th, and in and in I don't, you know, it was a good match. I think I don't really remember it that stars. well. Yeah, um, but yeah, so Shibata went to New Japan Cup. You know, definitely at that point, probably the biggest win of his career. Yeah. And you know, he's going to go on immediately. Just you know, there's a whole thing where you can pick whichever title you want to challenge for, but he made it clear immediately that he was going to be challenging Okada. For the IWGP Heavyweight Title, um, and then that I guess takes us to Soccer Genesis, which is another very good show. Um, you know, you have the the never open weight title match that we just talked about that kind of got ruined with Goto being Zack Saber Junior. Yeah. Uh, you have the the Junior Heavyweight Title match that went a minute and fifty six seconds, which so I awesome. love this match. Yeah. I love it too. This was I I'm I'm like the biggest Kushida Mark fucking ever, but like. I thought Kushida in this whole feud played every role perfectly. And from being the ace at the dome that got conquered to being fucking Kushida can't get the job done anymore in this match. And we'll get to the later at the Super Juniors. See, now, I'm, when I talk about that when we get to the Super Juniors, this to me is like match where it was clear that I think we know where Gato had something with Hiromu and then didn't fucking follow through with it. Because, like, at this point, when you hear the way that fucking Sumo Hall crowd reacted for Hiromu when he came out, and the way they reacted when Hiromu won that match in two minutes, and the way they continued reacting to him when he came out that Super Junior, it's time to call an audible and just have him continue his run. Bingo. But that's not what I, they did, unfortunately. I 100% agree. Like, this was, this was a, a star you were making here. Yes. And you, just, and you totally fucked it up. And, and, you look at, so. and you look at how... His match, the junior match, was a featured match at the Dome because they were yeah. advertising all four matches on on you know the promos and the uh, and the pro and posters and things of that nature. And then it's a semi main event match on one of the four or five biggest shows of the year. That's yeah. It's really so. It looked to me like 
they were going all the way with this fucking guy and really not just elevating him, but the entire junior division along with him. And I'm thinking, well, shit, eventually they're going to move this guy up to heavyweight. You know, not tomorrow, but this guy can be either a top line star as either a junior or a heavyweight. Shit, maybe they keep him as a junior and they elevate that title to main events because you could have done it with this guy. I mean, he was that over. He was and I had, He was, and I had no problem with using Kushida as the sacrificial lamb to get him there because that's how pro wrestling works. Mm-hmm. The guy before puts over the next guy. Yeah. And if Kushida's role here was going to be – because Kushida had his time. He had a tremendous run with that uh, – what is it? The third run? He had that little second run, right? And then the third yeah. run title was the big one. Yeah. He had a tremendous run, did great things. He even headlined some shows. He headlined that small show with Bushi in 2016. He did great things. And if it was his role to get Hiromu and the division over to the next level, so be it. And then they told that goofy, ridiculous, tired redemption story at Super Juniors, and it pissed me off. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was the the, the fact is that this, that we all thought in in real time that this was a story about Hiromu steamrolling this division and being the the undisputed top guy, and where was it going to go? And then he's still never taken a loss at this point, even in a tag. He'd never taken a loss. Instead, it ended up being just another like redemption. This was part of Kushida's redemption story, which we had no way of knowing at the time and just makes the entire thing seem way less cool on hindsight. Yeah. Even I have to admit, that was a huge mistake. Although, it's not Kushida's fault, and I still will maintain you played his role perfectly through this whole story. Yeah, I mean, I, oh, I agree with that. I got no problem with that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, he's a great performer. And he did play his role perfectly, even through Super Junior. I Look, the Super Junior yeah. final was a great match with Willow Spray yeah. Yeah. and all that. But it's and like, dominion, it's, just a, it's just the wrong story because they really had, this guy had caught fire and they really could have just gone all the way with him. For, but look, we know this company's deliberate. We know they have long-term plans. I don't think that they're done with Hiromu. I don't. No. If you um, if you watch the post match promos right now, he's still talking. Like after after the Okada thing, the Okada Naito, uh, or the Okada and uh, Osprey and against Roman Naito match, he actually talked about like challenging Okada for the title if Naito loses. I don't think I don't think he has any any designs on you know being a junior forever. So. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I do think that this is in the cards for him. He's still enormously popular and all those sorts of things, but ugh, I I am so with yeah that opinion that it just oh man did this yeah. fall something great yeah, and then you know obviously the main event Okada and Shibata, thirty eight minutes um you know this I get another five star match and you know I guess giving away my match of the year pick this is my match of the year overall so obviously my match of the year for New Japan. Yeah. Um, the, the, you know, obviously the, it's, it can be tough to rewatch this given what happened to Shibata, but, um, you know, if you're able to rewatch it, I think it holds up just as well as it did the first time. And the thing that really stuns me as, as how good this match was, is there were almost no near falls at all in this match. Yeah. And the fact that it was still ended, ended up being such an incredibly dramatic an incredibly well-worked match without you know, a total lack of near falls, I think says a lot about both guys and what they're able to do here. And just it, this was like Okada hitting his peak as a wall, as hitting a hitting his peak as an obstacle for someone else to get over, mm-hmm. you know, get over the hump of. And Shibata hitting his peak as a babyface wrestler with this entire sumo hall crowd just trying so hard to will him to victory. 
And you know, obviously, you know, it, what 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 Shibata ended up ha- what ended up happening in Shibata, you know, no one should go through that for a pro wrestling match. But the pro wrestling match they produced was one of the greatest matches I've ever seen, and I think the, the clear cut match of the year, um, a five star match I've ever saw one, and just you know, both men just playing the played the roles to such perfection, and put on such an incredible match that I probably will never forget. Yeah, this match was historically great. Uh, so I'm doing this this project right now that's insane. Where like I'm watching my 37 <laughs> matches of this year and comparing them to like every match of the year from the Observer in history oh, wow. uh, since 1980. And it's like a rewatch. So I just recently rewatched this match too. And yeah, watching that headbot spot is is it's it's not great. Um, it's really tough. Yeah. But man, it you know what? It does still look fucking cool because he does bleed down the thing you know but you know like knowing what happens after it's it's weird but yeah you're right there's like no near falls it's just all uh yeah and it's it's the way when he withstands the rainmaker when he yeah. just doesn't go down to the rainmaker it's like one of the spots of the year it's that's like, one that's one of the greatest spots i've ever seen in my entire life it's one of the yeah, yeah that entire sequence where he's kicking the arm to lead up to it yeah. And then he just brick walls the Rainmaker is one of the greatest sequences in wrestling history. Yeah. And, 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 I, and I don't say that flippantly. No. Yeah, I agree. Um, no. you know, and it was, a, it was a great fucking match. Incre- the word great is so overused. This was a great fucking match. I mean, just an incredible uh, yeah. uh, piece of art. I mean, it was just amazing in every way. And then, yes... That crowd was so behind Shibata, and they had they. This was the perfect pro wrestling example of somebody getting over tremendously in defeat. Uh, this is how you get someone over in defeat. He came out of that match despite losing. Um, you know, we'll never know what would have happened. Mm. Um, that'll be one of the great mysteries where they would have gone from there. Um, you have to think he would have been in the mix as. Um, a tippy top guy in the company and had title reigns in his future at that point. Cause remember he also finally signed a contract with the company a few months earlier. Yeah. So he was now, you know, he had the lion mark and all that. That was the last hurdle. Um, and you know, we'll, we'll never know what was going to happen. Um, but you have to think that it, it was, it was going to be, uh, he was finally going to be a made guy. Um, an incredible match. I, 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 I go back and forth between that and the one uh, four Okada Omega as my match of the year overall, not just in the company but overall. Um, I think Okada. Shibata, I think Okada Shibata is going to win our poll for sure, though. I think it's going to win the poll because I think mm-hmm. that the the Okada Omega matches. There's three of them. Yeah, and they'll cannibalize each other to an extent, and also. They're way more divisive. It seems like everybody likes this match. Right. I was so going to say, there's a super, there's a certain class of fan that is not going to vote for Okada Omega. Correct. That is going to vote for Okada Shibata. This match is going to be on almost, is going to be on this, this match, the Shibata Okada match will be on the most, will be on the highest number of lists. I mean, I, I, just, describe, I just described myself actually, because I don't have Okada Omega on my top 10, but I have Okada Shibata yeah. as my number one. But we so, always end up the match that appears on the most lists, and I think yeah. that will be it. I this think will be Okada it. Omega will get a shit ton of first place votes. 
Yeah. But I think it's going to be left off of so many lists that this match will make up ground for finishing fifth and sixth and fourth and third and eighth on everybody's list. And it's just going to make up all that room, plus being number one on so many lists. Yeah. So I, I mean, it's going to be, it's gonna be like Naito. Like Naito, it's just like the Naito Omega match last year where I think it appeared on fewer or it, appeared, it got less first place votes, but it appeared on so many more lists. Yes. But yeah, I mean, like the, so this, I mean, this is an incredible match. Obviously what happens to Bata afterwards is, you know, very upsetting and very, very sad. Um, it was, it was amazing just to be in the building when he came out on that G1 show yeah. and, you know, took that bump. I mean, people, again, this is, that's the other thing where I saw people crying. I mean, a lot yeah. of people, I know I cried a little bit. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Um, and like, that was just incredible to be there for. And, you know, if that's the last thing Shibata ever does in a ring is come out there and take that bump and say that he's still alive, then that is a fitting into his career, honestly. And I, you know, I hope he has a, I hope he has a long and healthy and happy rest of his life. If he's able to come back someday, you know, that if he's able to do it healthily and not, and not in a way that's going to threaten his life, then I'm not going to sit here and say, I wouldn't love to see it, but, um, you know, I just, I just hope he, I hope he takes care of himself first. Yeah. And you know, whatever, whatever happens, you know, when he showed up, but he showed up at the world tag league to do that autograph session, which I, I think made people speculate again, you know, no one knows what the future will hold. You know, I, gonna, I, be I, there, gonna be there on one three. Yeah. I mean, there's, so. there's always, there's always guys, right. That come, Everybody thinks he's retired forever and, and come back. You know, there's Shawn Michaels, there's Yashushi Kanda and Dragon Gate, who was he was retired for you know I think like four years before he came back. So you never know. So I don't want to say Shabbat is def- his career is over and he'll never be back. But I hope he takes his time, and I hope he you know I hope he's really able to. He's he only steps in the ring again if he's really able to do it. And no more shoot headbutts, please. <laughs> it's not necessary. Yeah, it was I mean, a five it's star not... match anyway. It was it was a five star match anyway. Just don't, you don't have to. It was cool, but you don't have to. You don't you don't have to. But I will. I I always disagree to the extent of it's their bodies. You know, I, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't tell anyone to do it. I wouldn't recommend anyone to do it. If these look, if Atsushi Katoge wants to headbutt himself into oblivion, especially oh, after God. what he saw what happened to Shibata, <laughs> I, who am I to tell him not to do it? You know, well, yeah. it's, that's why I say please. It's incredibly <laughs> stupid, though. I mean, it's just incredibly yeah. stupid. Yeah. Don't. But um. But yeah. So that's pretty much. Is there anything else I guess to say about Shabbat or this match? Well, of um, course there is. It was a romantic end to his career. You didn't think I was going to get that one in there? I mean, <laughs> come on. I've got to. I've got to turn the, the the knife into the back of the. Look, the whole thing with that. I, I think. I think a lot of people understood what romanticism meant in that context. I think some people may not have, and I think there's just some people who just don't like me to begin with who use it as an opportunity to pile on, and that's fine. I, I, I'm okay with it. Sure. Um, I know the point I was making, um, I, I, and and I know that it was a sound one, and I know that it wasn't disrespectful. And um, Romantic you know, isn't poetic, right? Like as Yeah, a- it was just a yeah. – I mean you read the guy – you read Shabbat's comments – you know, in, in the lead into the match and everything else, how he, he says he's going to wrestle his own way and it, 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 he wrestles every match. He actually has a quote. And I, I'm not looking at it and I'm not reading it verbatim where he had he had said, I wrestle every match like it could possibly be my last and I'm never changing that style. And, you know, um, it, it, 
look what happened. I mean, that's exactly what happened, you know. And it's uh, it's it's it, it, it's it, and, and that, that that's not it's it's a terrible thing that happened to the guy, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't say it was a romantic end to his career in a positive light. It's it's a negative thing. I mean, yeah. you know. So um, so yeah, but it's, it, and, and if that is the end, it's it, it really is. Uh, I mean, if that if that guy's career was going to end due to something happening in the, I mean, that's exactly how you, you figure it would have. I mean, it's crazy. You know, it wasn't like a, it, it wasn't a botch. It wasn't. He, didn't, uh, he, didn't, he wasn't Kevin Nash tagging into, the, into a match and you know tearing his quad so bad. Tat- yeah. Walk across the ring, but you can't continue anymore. It's like correct. It was it was self inflicted <laughs> harm. I think we lose sight of that. He chose to wrestle that way, yeah. you know, and yeah. and and it was self inflicted harm, and that's how he chose to work his matches and and how to perform as a as a wrestler. So, um, you know, it's not, very, it's very, not very, no one's saying that's good that it happened. It's not a word. Right, right, it's, exactly. It's just, it is but it happened, and there's no point happen. not talking about it. It, it did happen. Um, but yeah, so the, unfortunately, that's the end of Shibata's, you know, appearance in this in this podcast at the very least. Yeah, we'll see if he ever. And then when people were talking about, you know, for for the dome this year, I always thought maybe the dome for 2019 was a more realistic goal. So we'll see, you know, if something like that happens. I, it would yeah. it wouldn't it would not shock me if we're sitting here next year talking about Shibata's impending return at the dome. I know that offends some people, but I I feel like they continue to stoke whatever small flame is still there yeah. in case that that door opens. I mean, I would. I, I'm not going to say I'm going to be shocked. I, I don't expect it, but I won't Wouldn't be shock shocked me either. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. with you. Same thing. Um, I think I think he probably he I think he would probably like for it to happen. So we'll see what happens. But I I hope whatever happens, I hope he decides to live his life safely, you know, as safely as possible, and doesn't come back if he. You know, if the doctor telling him it's going to be a threat to his life. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So moving on, then we have the the wrestling. Um, well, first of all, the Road to Wrestling Donkaku show in Hiroshima has a couple of title changes with uh, Beretta and Rocky Romero winning back the junior tag titles. This is April twenty seventh from Taichi and Kanemaru, and there's the the beginning of the illustrious never open weight title reign of Minoru Suzuki. Uh, he beats Hiroki Goto in the main event here. Oh, um, I actually remember liking this match, I think. Like, I remember one of these Suzuki Goto matches was pretty good. This might have been the one. I went but... four flat, so it was okay. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Not not a high-end New Japan main event, but probably the better, probably the best of these matches. Sure. Yeah, they got worse is the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we got to wrestling Toyo no Kuni. You know, again, we're talking smaller, like, B-shows here, April 29th. Yeah. Um, had a really, really good Hiromu and Ricochet match. Yes. Part, you know, continuing the Hiromu story before it all goes to shit after this. Mm-hmm. Um, Tanahashi gets his win back against Evil, and Naito beats Juice Robinson for the Intercontinental title, which I remember being kind of pretty disappointed by, actually. Really? I th- this is one of my, like, unheralded overlooked matches, because I thought uh-huh. this match was great, and I, I mean, feel like I, nobody I, remembers it. I love both guys, especially Naito, and but I like Juice a lot too. And I just I didn't really like this match that much. I think I gave it like three and a half or something. It was good, but like not not New I, Japan made it. Good. I think well, I think Juice was still like maybe he wasn't like I think he was still de- like learning how to. This was his biggest and longest match, yeah. and I remember thinking the clo- at least the finishing stretch was really good, uh, and like really, um, especially for Juice, like a very. Uh, like it was like new levels of like that he hadn't 
Reach before when it like when it comes to like reversing finishers and like all the steps it takes to make a great closing sequence for a New Japan main event. So I thought he really stepped up in this match. But um yeah. I gave it like four and a quarter, I think. I really liked it. I went four and a third. <laughs> I didn't know we did thirds here. We well I, I remember thinking I thought it was better than four and a quarter, but I couldn't commit to four and a half. And I wrote the review for this show for the site, and I said, you know what? I'm going to go four and a third just to see if people notice <laughs> and if they complain about it. Because, you know, everyone was still, yeah. you know, that that Dave Meltzer six-star thing just reverberated all year. So I figured, yeah. ah, let's see if uh, Voices of Wrestling can get a piece of this star rating controversies, uh, you know, bump going here. So I gave it four and a third, but uh, my, my plan failed. Nobody noticed. <laughs> um, so then we have Wrestling Dontaku, which was uh, May 3rd. Another another kind of whatever show. Um, well, this did have the Omega Ishii match. That was I was going to say. This is, yeah, that was really, that was really good. Omega you know, Ishii ruled. It was better yeah. than the New Japan Cup match, in my opinion. Oh, I, I disagree. I, I think I like the New Japan Cup match better. But Okada, Okada Fallium were being pretty decent. Wasn't bad at all. Yeah, Wasn't bad. It was a good main event. Um and then I went, I went a full five on that Omega Ishii match. I gotta say, oh, I yeah, it was, I thought it was better. I, I'm with you. I thought it was better than the New Japan, and I thought the New Japan Cup match was great. Yeah, I, I, think, I, did, I think I went four and a quarter on this and four and a half on New Japan Cup. So, but they're they're both really good matches, but like yeah. not, not quite at that level. Um, it also had this was like this was the third and final time that the Lij trio of Bushi, Evil, and Sonata would win the. Never open weight six man tag titles. The greatest After, never six man. <laughs> yeah, they beat Tanahashi, Ricochet, and Taguchi, and this was they would basically hold the belts for the rest of the year. So finally got some stability on those never six man titles after this. But how many times did they defend yeah. them? Um, not that many times actually. No, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna, let, let's. I think it was like three. I'm gonna say yeah. I was gonna I'm say gonna three. This, yeah, I'm gonna look this up because I'm curious now. I think it's three. I think they beat like Kushida, um, Juice, and I think Taguchi on one yeah, show. Yeah, so they. I thought that was like a good match. Yeah, it was. It was, no, it was. Yeah, it was three. There you go. So they 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 won it May third. They defend them June eleventh at Dominion and like another one of these wacky five way gauntlets. Uh, June twentieth, they were oh, yeah. oh, really close that. together to ch- to title defenses, but it'd be uh, Juice Kushida and Taguchi at Kirkin Hall. That was a good match, actually. I remember um, that. Yeah, that September good. September tenth. They defended them against uh, Okada, Romero, and Toriano. That's oh, shit. That's yeah. right. And then they lost them December 17th the at Kirk and Hall to Fale, Tamataga, and Tongaloa. So. They barely ever defended them. Holy yeah, they did, they did have a lot. <laughs> they did have a long period without any title defenses. But See, three title early... defenses in that three title defenses in that amount of time really isn't that bad. But for this type, this, I, I firmly believe yeah. these titles should be defended every Kirk and Hall. And yeah. every and and at least once a month on one of the, like on one of the big shows because no why not? Just the weird thing is it was they were using a Korokin more before that. They had on January fifth we had that Korokin match. Um, let's see, February eleventh. No. Yeah, that, that was the yeah. There's another. They were defending the, the Ring of Honor Honor Rising uh, February twenty sixth. Yep. And then there was now there's a title change and uh, at Korokin August fourth. Um, but yeah, I mean, like they were they were defending a, a lot more at Kirk in the first half of the year. I don't know what happened. Um, after that, they kind of dropped it basically. Um, but yeah, after this May third title, 
Um, after that, I don't. We don't have to cover these fucking War of the Worlds shows. Who cares? <laughs> movie second to Japan. After that was the best of Super Junior tournament, and this is where we we, we already kind of covered this, but this is where they really yeah. like destroyed Hiromu. Unfortunately, you know, I thought I going into this, I thought Hiromu, you know, should have and was going to go undefeated in this tournament and get get to the finals and lose the finals to somebody, yeah. whoever it was going to be. And then the fi- that would be his big loss, finally, and then you could do that as a title match of Dominion and have him win again, honestly. But instead, you know, he comes out on the very first night and loses in the main event to Dragon Lee. Um, you know, he beats Liger. Then he loses again to Ricochet, a guy he'd already, another guy he'd already beaten. Get his win back. You know, he, he, he beats a few more. And what reason was there for that? They knew he was leaving. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't make any sense. He loses to Will Ospreay in a, in a really good match at, in Osaka yeah. that ended up setting up nothing because we, we kept waiting for that yep. singles match all year long. It never happened. Yep. And then, and then finally we get to the finals, and you know he's not even in the finals. It's Kushida beating Will Ospreay. And, you know, I think a lot of people kind of thought, the, you know, Ospreay could even win the final and, you know, have this match against Hiromu with Dominion. Instead, we get fucking Hiromu and Kushida again. Especially when um, Osprey beat Hiromu in the tournament. Yeah, which, yeah. Ended, up meaning, which ended up meaning nothing. Yeah, because then um, you're like, all right, well, he'll win again second year in a row. And this guy they've done nothing with. <laughs> all right, now that they got a, they, they got him hot going in to face this unbeatable Hiromu. But they just didn't do it. So frustrating. I, mean, I was sure that Osprey was winning that final. And I I remember I watched that match on Spoiled. And, you know, it was, it was also like a five-star amazing match that I loved. But... I couldn't believe, and when Kushida won, I knew he was winning the title, and I was, uh, I, I was upset about it. <laughs> I thought, I thought there was a good chance, yeah. Once he, once Kushida won, that he's going to win the title back. And I yeah. thought it was a very stupid decision, but moving ahead to Dominion, that's exactly what happened, and that's, mm. you know, this is that's basically the end of Hiromu. Like Hiromu had half of a most outstanding wrestler year, because at this yeah. point he doesn't, you know, he he doesn't really do anything for the rest of the year as far as like in ring. So, you know, just basically he had, he had from, from January till here, he had, like, he was a real most outstanding wrestler contender. Maybe, yes, everyone, maybe they had him in the conversation with Okada and Omega, Ishii, whoever. Yeah. He was in the conversation for a lot of people. And, and, right. was, and after this, he's just, yeah, just completely yeah. gone. But also, overall... Super Juniors was a really good tournament, too. Uh, yeah, it, it was a good tournament. Yeah. Just, just damaged Hiroma, I think. And that's, Unfortunately, yes. Um, but yeah, Dominion, another really, really amazing, you know, probably the second best show of the year. Um, you know, you have the Young Bucks being Rapungi Vice for the junior tag titles. Um, I'm, I'm completely ignoring the heavyweight tag titles, you might notice. Uh, some stuff happened. It fucking sucked. And I feel like everybody has talked about how, how bad this heavyweight tag team division is for years now. So I don't know what else there is to say about it. I just don't even want to waste time on it. It's but bad. It's, it's really bad. And there's another title change here and just... Just who could possibly care? Um, Cody wrestled Michael Elgin in a, another another Cody special with the, the crowd just yep. completely dead. Not even. Um, Midoriya Suzuki beat Hiroki Goto in a lumberjack death match for the oh god never title. That, <laughs> that really sucked. Yeah. Awful. But, but then we get to the Intercontinental title match, which, in my opinion, was one of the best matches of the year. Um, even better than the Doe match. And wow. Yeah, I, I love Ta- I love this Tanahashi Naito match. I thought Naito was selling um, Wait, did we skip in this match. match or... <laughs> no, I mean, well, it was good, but I think I thought we talked about it. Like what? Oh yeah, no, I, 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 just, I, I, I love. I'm oh, sorry. Well, yeah, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. 
Listen, I, I love. I, I just. I, I love that junior match though. Also. Okay. I mean, I just. Look, I, booking, I can't. Booking, I can't. I can't separate from the booking enough to love sure. it. Is my problem. I thought Kushida but. had such an edge in that match though. Like, okay, I, it was the wrong story to tell. I will concede. But if you're gonna tell the story of a redemption arc, I thought Kushida played such a great. I'm gonna get this title back like fucking badass in this match. Anyway, I just I I love that match also. I thought it was one of the best matches of the year. But because of the book, and I think people will hold a grudge against it, which is yeah. unfortunate. I think. Um, but but yeah, the Intercontinental nice title match, uh, yeah, I just thought Naito selling in this match was like next level. And by the time he submitted and you know lost the Intercontinental title, um, you know, just I, I figured that was going to be the result going in, and, I, and obviously it was the right one given that. Naito had bigger things to do, but I thought it was such a great, it was such a great, I mean, this is an example of a redemption story that was really well done because you were able to do a redemption story for Tanahashi without killing Naito where they killed Hiromu because Naito had the win over him already and he was moving on to bigger and better things. Like if you had done the redemption story for Kushida, but you had something else for Hiromu to do, like why the fuck didn't Hiromu and Bushi spend the last half of the year for the junior titles or something? Like, they, I don't know, like anything. Yeah. Like, Hiromu just did nothing. It's like, if yeah. you had something for Hiromu to move on for, then maybe I'd be more open to the redemption story for Kushida. But, like, you know, this the redemption story here, it was it was it it worked for Tanahashi because you had something for Naito to move on to. Um, and the juniors has nothing bigger to move on to. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, that's a problem. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, even, even, it doesn't have to be bigger, though. Even if well, it was, like, well, sideways. See, that's or... the, that, but that's a very important point that we're glossing over. There's never a junior program unless it's for the title. Yeah. If, if you had junior programs that weren't for the title, you could do something else with Hiromu if you must tell this story. You can do something with Willow Spray every now and then besides being in six-man tags. You can mm-hmm. do something with Ricochet instead of just meandering around. But there's never a program unless it's the title program, and that is a huge problem. And there's no reason for that to be the case. Why can't you have another junior program? It, it doesn't have to be top of the card. It could be the opener. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but they just, it, he, they don't do it that way. Man, if only they had some kind of like open weight title, they could like, you know. <laughs> Man, that's a shame they don't. Oh, well. <laughs> um, but no, we, I mean, we definitely need a Mary Suzuki and Hiroki Goto having like five fucking matches <laughs> each for a laugh. Why was the stipulation? We need right. Suzuki going through the entire chaos undercard. Yeah. And with one match worse than the last, but yeah, they're kind of title match. Anyone else have any thoughts on Tanahashi Naito? I loved it. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was great. I preferred the dome, uh, but I thought it was great. I mean, you know, I went like four and a half or something like that. Yeah, they, they had an incredible series, you know. The thing yeah. you had, to, you know, Omega Okada gets all the headlines, and I love those matches. But you had the Tanahashi Naito matches. You had the Ishii Omega matches. There were so many great series of matches in this company this year, and 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 it's just such a loaded year. Uh, bell to bell. Yeah. So Okada, Naito also. Oh, Naito, yeah. Although I thought that series was a little disappointing, but um, well, I guess we'll get to it. Okada Omega, the main event, uh, the 60 minute draw, the one that David famously gave six and a quarter. Um, <laughs> I am, I I am not on, I am not on team Dave here as far as which is better. Like I gave this four flat. Um, I thought it was good. I mean, my, my big problems with it were basically, the fact that the opening like fifteen or twenty minutes ended up meaning absolutely nothing, which is the case I guess for a lot of Broadways, but like just all that leg work they did early on that just got shrugged off completely and meant they never even did a callback to it in the rest of the match. Like that to me is a major flaw. 
And then, you know, like the final stretch has some stuff that's like, I don't know that that Omega spot where he collapses, that's the kind of thing that's almost too cute by half to me. Like if you, when you watch that spot, especially as it's been replayed, I feel like over and over again, it all, like I see, I've seen it like 10,000 times now in that, in that 2017 uh, best of video, it just looks so goofy. Like the look on his face and him falling to his knees because, oh, he can't hit the Rainmaker. It's just, I don't know. It's not going to be up there at like, you know, Austin and the Sharpshooter or whatever, as far as like all time great spots. It's a spot that looks worse every time I see it. So um, I don't know. I don't, I don't, the, the, it's still a very good match, but like there's some big flaws with it to me. And I, and the end is just all wrong to me. Like, why is, why is Okada the guy? who's trying to beat, desperately beat Omega before time runs out. Like, why is it Omega trying to desperately beat Okada? Like, that just felt all wrong to me, too, as far as, like, the story you're supposed to be trying to tell with Okada refusing to give up. It's like, well, he's the champion. Why is he the one who should who has Kenny beaten? It just, I don't know. It just felt all wrong to me. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I disagree on uh, a lot of that. But, uh, I, so, okay. That's but, okay. what's cool. I mean, yeah. the collapsing spot, a lot of people, like, the collapsing spot, I also love, but I don't, it's not even my favorite spot. Of the, like, a lot of people gushed about it, and it's it's great, but, like, there's so many of the spots I love more in this match. I mean, the, um, the way that basically it, it turns from Okada killing Omega, like, his comeback after he like eats all those rainmakers, I thought was just great. I thought all the way Okada kept using the drop kick to stave uh, Kenny off in the end, where he was like they had like nothing left in the tag and he just kept drop kicking. I mean, it's a, it's a sixty minute match, so it's hard to go. I don't want to go through everything, but I thought I I didn't even mind the stuff in the beginning not being called back to because it just felt like it didn't work. It was like Kenny tried to go after the legs, but he's not Minoru Suzuki. He's not Hiroshi Tanahashi. He wasn't able to do it. As well as those guys, and so kind of like staved them off. That's kind of the way I, I interpreted it. And I just thought bell to bell for sixty minutes. There was just action, and all the parts of the match felt different. And um, yeah, it's like you know my second favorite match ever. So uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I would go six and a quarter. We're going to disagree more on another one here, but I, I just it's a good match. Sure. But like, there's just so many flaws with it that I can't see going higher than like four. Sure. What do you? I mean, oh, go ahead. Joe. Yeah, yeah I, you guys covered a lot of ground with it. I I preferred the dome match. Um, I I went five on the dome. I went four and three quarter here. I thought it was a great match. I hate sixty minute draws. Hate them. Um, I was at Samoa Joe Brian Danielson Edison, New Jersey ROH two thousand six. Me too. I did see. I did, you know who else? Dylan Hales was there. Uh, yeah. Too bad wrestling Twitter didn't exist. Like all I these know. people that you later cross paths with and you don't know each other at that time. You know, it's bizarre. Um, but and I hated that match. I thought they tipped off the draw within the first five minutes, and I was bored out of my fucking mind. And yeah, it's a match I, that people I, rave about. I agree. I, I mean, I I say hated is too strong, but it was it was disappointing. Yeah, yeah I I flat out didn't like it, and yeah. it's like. And there have been other sixty-minute draws, and I've—I very rare. I don't, think, but this was my favorite sixty-minute match of all time because I think something Lawson touched on. I, no matter what you want to say about, I know a lot of people don't like Omega. I think there's some people. I think a lot of people have come around on Okada this year uh, that didn't like him previously, but there's still people who don't like Okada. No matter what you think about either guy, my God, do they work hard, and they have great cardio, and they just go so hard. 
uh, for the duration of these these long matches that they have. And and it was just I've never seen a sixty minute match that was filled with that much action, bell to bell. I mean, it's just inc- inc- an incredible athletic spectacle. I'll say that. And I fucking loved the spot where Kenny passes out and accidentally ducks under the Rainmaker. So. Uh, his face just looks, I don't know. It just doesn't, there's something about his face. It just doesn't work for me. But well, that's a lot of people's complaints with Omega. In a lot of regards, they think he's uh, like, we can, we can get We can get to one where I get a facial. The fa- there's one match in the G1 in particular where I I almost like want to jump through my television. But um, like as far as Kenny, like Kenny in general goes, I think he's, He's better when he's um, he's better when he's working on top than when he's working from the bottom. When he's the heel in the match, I think it almost always goes better. And you know when he's the aggressor, when he's the guy selling, when he's the guy like I, I just think he's a very very hokey seller. Um, like his selling is just very hokey to me, and like that's the problem I have with him a lot. And you know, so the issue with the, the... There, there's no question he's a bit theatrical at times. Yeah. Yes. Um, it doesn't bother me as much as it bothers a lot of people because I think he bumps in such a unique way. And he just – there's certain guys they just look different when they bump and sell. Mr. Perfect Kurt Henning was one. Uh, I think Omega is another. Uh, there's other throughout history, and it just his, – his, his bumping and selling stands out to me where I don't know if it's necessarily that I'm overlooking the goofy theatrics. Look, I hated a lot of the junior stuff, but it was clear he didn't give a fuck. Yeah, at that point in time, well, he was messing around. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the the whole thing with his—I mean, I don't really take as much as he was just bumping. It's more just, it's like when he's struggling in submissions and stuff. It's where I it's think the he facials. Was. Yeah, the facials is the big See, problem. It's, yeah. it's interesting because to me, when Omega's selling like that, he's like near death in like the Wrestle Kingdom match and in this match when he's like in the last half of it. I get re- his, his facials really bring me into the match. Like I get really oh, okay, well. <laughs> emotionally invested into it, and he's not even like one of like my favorite wrestlers. As much it had as the exact me. opposite effect on me. <laughs> it's fair. You know, one person who <laughs> loathes it, one person who loves it, and I'm in the middle somewhere. I just yeah. I don't even notice it really. I I, yeah. I just I don't know. I think he's, I think his bumping is also like excellent. I think he's one of the best. His bumping is incredible. I, 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 really I, I got no problem with bumping. There's one thing about Kenny Omega, he will put his body on the line. I yeah. mean, he's a fucking maniac, and um, he'll probably pay for it one day. But he is—he—he he will put. And look, and that's why I don't give him any shit for when it's uh, when it's tie dye Kenny with the fringe with the t- mm-hmm. when it's t shirt Kenny. I, I don't give him any shit because you know when it's a match that matters, he's gonna give you your money's worth. Whether you bought a ticket, bought New Japan World, whatever the case, he's gonna kill himself. And I have a I'm, lot of respect for that. And you know, it's just—I I think he's—he's he's in the right company because. You know, he. You need to have like. What do you need to to, to get over in the modern New Japan? You need to um, you need to be a good looking man, and, for, and you need to be good in the ring. Like those yeah. are the two things that will get you over in New Japan. And he's yeah. both of those. So you know, yeah. it's a, it's the right company. What what he's do you need to get over in New Yeah, striking like, looking is a good he's word. Got a striking look. Yeah. So you know, like in in <laughs> what do you need to get over in WWE? I have no idea. Well, you say it all the time. I mean, this is a company that actively is a t- attempts to draw female fans. It's an important part of their business. Yeah, which I don't. I mean, who who is WWE trying to draw? I don't fucking. I don't even. So like, that's when, when people say when people say he should jump. Like, I'm just like, I don't. I mean, maybe he would. Maybe he'd do well there. But like, there's no there's no precedent, you know, to be like, oh, if he jumps to WWE, he'd definitely be like when Dave calls him like the next Cena or whatever. Like he, he could be the next scene if he jumps. It's just, I mean, yeah. 
Anything here's, could the, here's the problem. Here's the but, problem. Does he want to be? Yeah. I think he no. I think he has a huge ego and he would want to be. But I think he's smart enough to know this. Here's the problem. I think he's talented enough and driven enough to be a major star there. Maybe not the top star. You're never getting past Roman. But but and the talent's not the issue. The problem with him, and I think he knows it, is he would without question butt heads with the people running the place. Yeah. And it would ultimately be his undoing. And he's not going to have the creative freedom, obviously, that he has now. So, And yeah. I think there's part of him that it's it's an even bigger ego stroke to him to get as far as he can outside of that company and become a megastar without their uh, massive backing. I think that's an ego stroke for him as well. So, yeah. I mean, and people, and people need to keep in mind with him, which is not the case with any other you know, Gaijin in New Japan. I mean, he wants to be there beyond yeah. beyond just the wrestling stuff. I mean, if you follow him on Twitter, he wants to be in the arcade in Tokyo playing fucking Street Fighter Four. I mean, he speaks the language, which is a big thing. Yeah. Beyond that, you know, most of the other Gaijin can't say they do. I mean, this is where he wants to be. I think. He's so, I think, local at this point. Yeah, he, yeah. He, essentially, he is, and and to a lesser extent, that's the like the Rocky Romero thing. You know, the, yeah. he was brought up in New Japan system as a kid and he had a chance to sign two years ago when they when they took the four or five guys that they did. And he would have had a nice cushy role down at the performance center. I, I don't know if he necessarily would have wrestled. And I mean, he turned it down. I mean, Rocky Romero is another one. I think Fale you're seeing is another guy who I don't know if he'll ever leave. He turned down an opportunity to leave. And now he's got a you know, he's got his school in New Zealand and they've got a connection to New Japan and. Um, you know, so you're seeing this sort of trend with some of these gaijins who are just they're they're planting their roots in that company and mm-hmm. turning down opportunities to, you know, to 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 go to WWE, which is healthier for wrestling in general. It's so, healthier. For, yeah. No matter what you think yeah. of New Japan. Yeah, that's great for wrestling. I mean, you want to see. For, yes. You want to see these companies have their own guys that don't that don't necessarily have to jump to become bigger, you know, to just be quite, feel like they have to jump. To do anything. I mean, you want to see multiple promotions doing that, honestly. Yeah, and quite honestly, I think someone like AJ Styles made the absolutely made the right move. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he did what he had to do in New Japan and really his time was up and he put over Kenny on the way out. And now he's he's home with his four kids and his wife and he and and he's making a shit ton of money and he did it at the perfect time. And I don't begrudge um Gallows and Anderson for giving it a go. Ah, from what I understand they are one or both may not be so happy and you may see them back at some point, but I, I don't begrudge them for giving it a shot. And even Nakamura, I mean, look, it, it, you know, but it, it's good to see some people aren't driven by that sort of temptation. And um, I would like to see that happen in companies other than new Japan now. Right. Yeah. I'd like to see guys plant their flag in places and be able to make a good enough living where they don't have to jump to WWE for, or even to new Japan. Yeah. I mean, I want to see like, as, you know, yeah. when you look at, when you look at like a DDT, I want to see Takashita stay in DDT his entire career. I want to see Endo, oh. Sasaki, all these guys. You know, all Japan. You know, Miyahara. People are always like, when is Miyahara going to go to New Japan? Just like, hopefully, hopefully never. Hopefully, yeah, exactly. Hopefully <laughs> never. Yeah. So and you, you need to have a vibrant – I want to see these vibrant scenes. And the fact that, you know, the entire Japanese wrestling industry drew much better this year than they drew in 2016, not just New Japan – was you know with the exception of Noah basically was I think a big deal for the overall health of wrestling on the island. So yeah, and I think New Japan's helping raise the water level for everybody. 
and that's yeah. that's a good thing too. Mm-hmm. Um, where if they're making, you know, so I mean, by proxy, if they create new fans and those fans decide that they really love wrestling, some of them are going to seek out other wrestling because they can't get enough. And if that means that a cut, you know, these other companies draw more fans because of that, that's that's awesome. That's exactly what you want. That's what happened to me. I started as a New Japan fan, and then you know now I'm in uh, all Japan and all the other all the other puro. Places. Yeah, I mean, I think that's I think that's what most people's like gateway drug. I mean, me and Joe, I think both started with like Noah and Toriyama and all that stuff. So, but like a lot of other people, you know, I think the gateway drug is New Japan. Um, okay, so back to what we're doing though, because we got to get through the rest of this. The New Japan G1 special in USA was next, um, July first and July second. I don't know if there's a if there's a ton to say about this show, but are these two shows other than they were, you know, the crowds that were there seemed very into it. Um, you know, the the U.S. title tournament I think was a huge success, and both nights, uh, you know, ending with a really, really great match on Omega and Ishii. Yep. Um, the 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 Cody Okada match was, I think, pretty pretty fucking terrible, honestly. But I know other people liked it more than me. But I just I really fucking hated that match. Like I gave it like two and a quarter or something. I liked it. I didn't um, think Cody was particularly like great in it, but I I thought um, Okada did his part, and um, they they it it exceeded my expectations. I'll put it that way. I thought this was oh. the best Cody performance ever, and that's not saying a lot. But I really li- I went like four and a quarter on it. I really liked it. Like I think I gave it like two and a half, but like <laughs> I, my my problem I had with it was that people were giving people were giving them credit for the crowd heat, especially giving Cody credit. Be like, oh, he was so great with his his fucking stalling. I'm like, well, look, his stalling normally plays to crickets. The reason why this match had a ton of crowd heat was because this was a, a crowd of twenty five hundred of the like biggest New Japan hardcores in the country who desperately did not want to see this man win this title. Because yes. they hate him because they think he sucks. So giving them credit for that crowd heat to me is just like this was this was the ultimate example of go away heat. You know? And like maybe the match yeah. itself you maybe like the match better than itself than me, but like they just did not want Cody to win this match because they think he sucks. Cody, so not, me, I, don't, I think Cody was a little more over than you're giving him credit uh, for. I, 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 I mean with this crowd. Look, and I'm not look, I'm not like a big I'm I'm a bit of a Cody defender. I'm not a huge but, like, I think he was a little more over than uh, you might be giving him credit for. Like, some I people, think a lot of those people hated his fucking guts in all the wrong did. ways. But a lot of people also, I think, there were people cheering for him, which I was... Well, you're going to have your, you were going to have your Bullet Club fans. Yeah, like, I would say, like, it was, yeah. it was, le- but it was less than, than Kenny but, by, like, a fucking mile. Oh, right. Oh, but, sure. but, John, I, I want to ask you personally, were you sort of pleased, because there was a lot of fear coming into this, that the ROH slash Bullet Club fans were going to just inundate this show and take it over but it turned out to be the opposite i thought the yeah. crowd was a very much a new a, a crowd that wanted new japan and authentic yeah. new japan and i think that they got it and i think that's why half you know a, a good majority of the crowd rejected cody because they saw him as non-authentic new japan yeah i agree i mean i i was very stunned by the you know like i going in i definitely thought i was expecting more of a new japan you know ring of honor crowd and i i, I come off you know a very negative experience at the War of the Worlds show in Manhattan, I went to, right. where, you know, that's our, that just reminded me of how much I hate modern Ring of Honor crowds, and that's kind of what I expected going in. And yeah, it ended up being just a, a total New Japan crowd, you know, a yeah. New Japan hardcore crowd. So I'll be interested to see now what the crowd is like for the return engagement now in March. Um, 
bigger building. Yeah, bigger building, 5,000 seats. You know, do, do they sell it out two weeks before Mania? I think it's an open question. And if they do, who is showing up this time? You know, I'm, I, I'm think, to... I think now you have to – the first time around, they were going to do well. And I really think that they underestimated how well they could have done. I think they could have run a bigger building the first time around. Yeah. The second and third and fourth time around, now the matches are going to matter. You can't yeah. do Billy Gunn and Cody in, in main events yeah. and important matches and expect people to fly out again. Um, so the main events are going to matter a little more now. You can't just give people a tournament where you don't know what matches you're going to get and Billy Gunn and Cody. Um, so, and, and I think they're cognizant of that. And I think they understand that that's going to be harder each time out. Um, you know, I've heard some rumored, you know, one rumored main event. And I think that main event will blow everybody's doors off. And I mean, I, I've seen it. people, I've seen people guessing it on Twitter, knowing yeah. what the rumor is. And I don't, I don't know if we should say it or not what the, what the guess has been, but um, but yeah, I mean, I think if the guess is correct, I think that match will do very well. Right, that's what I think you're saying. It is that I am very excited. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm flying out there, you know, with the idea that if I see this, then great. But if you know, I, I think there, even if that it, even if it's not the match that you know people are buzzing about or whatever, I think it'll be, um, it, it'll be something. It's the best way to put. It. Like they, they can't just put on an, a, a six-man tag, or you know, an Amer- like like Joe was just saying, these random Americans. Um, you know, I'm ready to see. You know, when I go out there and see and be there in person, you know, what the live crowd is like versus what they were like on these first two shows. And I guess we'll say. Well, you know, the, the 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 July show. The one thing I just wanted to mention was how incredible of a weekend Kenny Omega had because he had yeah. the Elgin match, yeah. the Jay Lethal match, which was like the best Jay Lethal match ever, <laughs> and the, and the, and then the Ishi match, which 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 was incredible, and he did all of that in the span of twenty four hours. I mean, three just tremendous matches. I mean, he just had you know a killer weekend, and I Ishii think- too, because Ishi had the Naito match. And then the uh, Zack Sabre Jr. match, which no one really talks about anymore, and then the Omega match. So yeah. I thought it was funny going into this that people didn't seem to think that Omega was going to win this title. When to me, it was like... I thought it was a like Stone Cold block. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, see, I, see, I feel like it was teed up for me, but like, I don't know, people... It was weird. It, it seemed like they didn't have faith, maybe because he lost, I don't know, the New Japan Cup or something. I don't know what people... just made thinking. too much sense, because he's the most popular New Japan wrestler yeah. on yeah. the side of the I mean, world. To me, it was obvious you're going to see Omega wrestle three times on these shows, and that's... I don't, yeah. Yeah, so... And Ishii thought, was a perfect finals opponent, because people perfect. were rooting for Kenny all weekend, but no one can root against Ishii. So it yeah. had a good dynamic, because Ishii is the ultimate sympathetic babyface. I was so happy with the booking. Can I, can I just say? Ishii. Tiger Mask W. That's <laughs> my trademark. No, Come on. No one ever. No, it's okay. No one ever pronounces the extra E. I only um, know that because of the one they chant his name. Mar- Mauro Ronaldo does. Mauro, he does really. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, look, it's just, it's just it, there's three Hiragana characters, and then if you break it down, there's an E. Uh, Here we go. There's a okay. C, and there's an E. So E, yeah. she, E. Um, but anyway, moving on now to the actual G1. Um, we don't, I don't have to, we have to go too in-depth. If you want to hear in-depth in the G1, um, I did a show on the first 10 nights of it reviewing literally every match. So plugging a past wrestling omakaze here. Um, definitely check that out if you want to hear us review every fucking match in the G1 for the first 10 nights. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Man, that's um, awesome. <laughs> July 17th, though, I want to point out the 
Naito and Bushi match, I gave this the full five. I think I probably was the high man on this, but I just love this match. Um, you know, I, I put it, I think my second favorite match of the entire year. And um, like, I the, I thought the, they did an amazing job in the buildup with Naito basically saying all this shit, like why is Ibushi allowed to moonwalk his way into the G1 after he's been gone all this time and not working any full tours. And I thought it added to like the, the, the intensity of the match. And then they went out there and just did all this, this crazy shit. I feel I feel, makes me feel like this match is almost forgotten after all the great matches we had this year. But like, go back and watch this. It's like twenty four minutes of the, just like the craziest spot fest, but it somehow like never falls apart or never feels disjointed. And you know, I think that's you know Naito's incredible selling that keeps it together. But like, yeah, just the start of it. This when when people say Naito had a bad G one, I think that's not really fair because he, he was bookended by so many by three really amazing matches. Maybe you could say in the middle he kind of took some shows off, and that would be fair. But like, um, I still think he had at the end of the day he had three of my favorite match, three of the, three of my favorite matches of the entire G one, and this was my my very favorite on the very first night. Oh yeah, by the end he made up for it because he did have he he disappeared for a while. It's a two week yeah. tour. It's a two week tour, and there's so much good shit. That like it's no, it's actually a three week tour, isn't it? Now it's like yeah, it's like three weeks. Yeah. And it's like and there's so much good shit that the early stuff always gets forgotten, and then people start to fall off and stop. You know, you you go into it and you're like, I'm watching every fucking night line. I'm what, and then you know, a week and a half into it, you start cherry picking and stuff gets lost in the shuffle. So you really want to the guys that stand out are the ones that 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 you know do their the best stuff closer to the end when more people are paying attention to closer yeah. to the beginning and the end. Cause everyone's paying attention to the very beginning and the very end. Yeah. And um, so he made up for it by the end. I, the, the Ibushi match you're talking about was great. The, the one thing I'll say about the G1, oddly enough, I had two Mike Elgin matches at five stars. I mean yeah. the, the Okada match and the uh, Omega match and uh, amongst all the other great, I think I had like four five star matches in my life before this year. And I think I had like six this year. I mean, it was just such a – and they're all out of this company. So it was just a ridiculous bell-to-bell year uh, for this company. The G1 was fucking incredible. These G1s are almost too good because, like I said, you just forget about stuff. And I'm looking through my notes at all these great matches that, like, I forgot existed. You know, yeah. and, and um, Kenny – you know, Evil getting knocked out at the end of the Kenny Omega match. and uh, So, so that's crazy. Before you move on, though, I want to um... – I want to point the night two has the, the match I hinted about earlier, which was Kenny Omega and Minoru Suzuki. Um, so this match, I, I think more than any other match this year, really pissed me the fuck off. <laughs> and I really hated this fucking match with the fury of a thousand sons. Um, I don't I just, just, it was just such a bad matchup. I feel like with Suzuki's, you know, it, like I think some people had worked themselves into being, very hyped for this match, I guess, off of, you know, the Suzuki Styles match. But this was no Suzuki Styles. I mean, this was just, I mean, like, it just was like the worst of both guys with Suzuki. It just didn't work at all. Like, they never clicked. And, you know, Omega, like, you know, he he has to take an ass kicking here. But, like, you know, he has to be put in holds. He has to be taking a lot of strikes. And he's doing his goofy faces. You know, he's just not doing anything. And then, you know, finally, they he tries to have Minoru Suzuki take a fucking reverse Rana for the go-home spot. Whoop, like, that was just the worst fucking idea. That, to, say, to expect 47 or whatever-year-old Minoru Suzuki to take a reverse Rana spot at the end of a 20-minute match. Not a good plan. 
and of course they completely botched it. Um, you know, one of my worst, one of my least favorite matches of the year. And of course, at the end of the match, I, I tweeted out, um, you know, Dave Dave Meltzer is going to give this four and a quarter. I can't wait to see it or something like that. And what did he give it? Four and a quarter. No, my actually, my joke tweet was exactly right. I so, John, I think actually, I think actually, he gave it four and three quarters. Did he give it? Did he give it four and three quarters? I'm no? pretty sure because I remember seeing that he gave it four and three quarters and thinking, I don't think he watched the match. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm I gonna check. Like saw I, that this I, I, I know. I I know. I guessed it right. So maybe maybe I did say four and three quarters. He. Um, I'm pretty sure he gave this match four and three quarters. And I. Oh, look, I did. Okay, so I searched my Twitter. God yeah. bless Omega, but Suzuki Mets has not played a strength at all. Let's just not talk about it again until Dave gives it four and three quarters. That's my tweet from July twentieth, twenty seventeen, ten forty six p.m. And I guess what? And Dave gave it four and three quarters. So there you go. You were you were you were right, Lawson, but I was also right that I, I said it. You're both right. <laughs> I so, said look, I didn't. This is not in anywhere close to my least favorite match of the year. But what I will say, in terms of disappointing, I thought this match was quite disappointing. Uh, I, they were. I, I think everything you said was right. Disjointed. It had interference. I think Omega tried. Like he tried. He did the big dive spot at the end. But yeah, I mean, yeah. This was this was one of. Uh, I don't know. They did not click. Um, and I don't know what match Meltzer watched. Honestly. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't know either. Um, yeah. What do you think, Joe? I don't remember a ton about it. I'm looking through my notes as it's uh, being buried here. Um, I remember all I all I can remember. I didn't take a ton of notes on it. All I can remember on it is it. I expected it to be epic, and it did not reach my expectations. But I thought it was good. I thought it was yeah. good. I, I just didn't know, think it, it just didn't reach uh, the level that I wanted it to. It's like a three and a quarter, probably. I would give it. It's. Yeah. I I think I went like one star. Or something. I really, I really hate this fucking match. Yeah, sometimes you just hate a fucking match. I mean, you know. Yeah. Um, but but like the, I think Omega sometimes gets a little too ambitious with his wacky ideas, and it just doesn't land. Like you know the Yano match. I mean, you could just get fucked with that. I have no interest in that. Um, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But it's like other people probably really enjoyed that. But it's like yeah. sometimes Kenny just gets overly ambitious. And um, he – look, the guy – It's one thing about him is he's never – he's always trying something outside the box. And sometimes it's going to land uh, like these uh, Okada matches and sometimes it's not going to land like the chainsaw spot. So it's mm-hmm. – that's Kenny, you know, and he's just a – he's a different kind of brain. I will say I laughed my ass off at the Omega Toriano match, so they can they can do whatever comedy matches they want every year. You I, know what? In the middle I, I of a crazy them. tour like that, you get one a year. I, I uh, you get one. Yeah, I, I had. A, I mean, a lot of people were like complaining about it. You know, the, pe- the people on Twitter that I guess really hate the idea that a a big time wrestler would do any comedy. But I thought I thought it was fucking hilarious. So yeah, uh, I enjoyed it honestly for what it was. Yeah. Um, I'm looking through the rest of G1. Anything else big? Um, nothing really stands out. Okay, Kojima well, evil. Okada, just because I want to put over my man Kojima. That was that was a great example of Okada, of Okada working awesome as a heel too. Like yep. I, I always enjoy Okada more when he's when he's the heel in the match. Yeah, I thought I thought he was really good as a, just being a complete asshole in that match with Kojima. Um, going through here, I would say the Bushi Tanahashi match was very good. 
Although I think they would actually top it in the Intercontinental title match. Um, and then Okada beating Evil. I mean, Evil beating, sorry, the other way around. Evil yeah, beating Okada. Yeah. Um, again, to, this is the opposite, where they, they blew away their title match, in my opinion. Yeah. And I, I think this match is really one of the best of the year for Evil. Yeah. And one you know another really good match for Okada, and just that moment, you know, it's it's now immortalized in the that New Japan Best of 2017 video where Evil hits that Evil hits the Evil and just pins Okada clean after he just you know Okada had given him two lariats, you know, he with, with the with the rest and went to give him the final Rainmaker, and and Evil just ducks it and hits the Evil, and the the crowd just. You know, they, they have a shot in that video of just the crowd and how nuts they go for Evil hitting that move and pinning him. And it just, it feels like one of those moments that you can't, you can't, you earn that moment because you have Okada have his, the run he had this year and the run he had even in the G1 where he was undefeated up to that point. Yep, he was undefeated all year. And he was undefeated just, all fucking year to that point. Yeah. And the other long-term storyline thing they played off there was that was cocky. We've seen Okada once or twice a year, he gets cocky. And he tries to, and he uses an extra rainmaker to put emphasis. He did it to Nakamura the first time in that G1 final a few years ago, where he didn't need to hit that extra one, but he did it for emphasis to say, "I'm the fucking man now." And uh, in chaos, and 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 at least once a year he'll do that. And this time it backfired. Yeah. So and for his first loss of the year and his first loss in the G1, and it was a great match. And you're absolutely right; it was better than the title match, which was good. But this was way better than the yeah, title. I, I was probably yeah. the high man on the title match, but yeah, this was better because I mean, you can't the, the shock finish is just you can't replace yeah. that. You just can't. Yeah, and and you know, and, and it, it's just it's one of those things that like you know when you look at New Japan and what it is versus what like a WWE is. I mean, it's the reason why I think you know people who prefer New Japan will probably always prefer New Japan and like in the Japanese style in general because. It's very difficult to get a match like this where a result, you know, ends up meaning that much. Yeah. Because it just it just wins and losses don't mean that. You can't when, do when, this in WWE is what you're yeah. getting at. And there's, you want to bury him, so go ahead. You can't do it. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to be I'm trying to be diplomatic because WWE you does. You can't some stuff get this better. emotional feeling but, and this this huge impact of what you can't do it in that company by yeah. the nature of their booking. You just can't. You no win that. will ever be this impactful. You guys and you can get blown it. away when Reigns defeated Cena. You guys weren't like, <laughs> no. holy crap, this guy's the next no. coming. All right. No. <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, it's not even just New Japan. Like, just you know, even in like a, even like an All Japan, like a Champion Carnival, you can get yeah. this kind of, you can get this kind of feeling, but you yep. just can't get it in, in just the way WWE books wrestling. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so the G1 wraps up with the three final nights, and again, I thought, you know, you have three straight main events. Um. Before we get into the one yeah. that's going to divide us, uh, uh, Naito Tanahashi, I, I, I go back and forth on which one I like better. This is the Dominion one, but it's it's very close to me. I, I'm afraid it's live bias because I was in the building for these three shows, and you know they were the, the atmosphere is honestly incredible, and I worry I let that get to me. But even when I watch it back on tape, it's incredible. So um, I give a slight slight edge to this Naito uh, Tanahashi match, but yeah, just a great cap off to a three match series. Let's Naito get his get the final decisive win without having to win back that fucking Intercontinental title, and everybody's happy basically. Um, but I, the one thing that stunned me at this show, honestly, is how, just how many fans Tanahashi still has. I mean, you know, it was like it was seventy thirty for Naito probably, but that thirty percent for Tanahashi, like they were loud as hell and they were they really wanted Tanahashi to win. So, 
I mean, he, he it felt like he had more crowd support than Okada had the next night, honestly. Um, yeah, I agree with that for sure. I so I just rewatched this match about three hours ago, or when, like right before we started. Uh, we, uh, so yeah, this I this is better than I remembered, honestly. The first time I watched it, it was uh, I think the first time I watched it, I was like, I probably went like four and a half, and right after rewatching it, it's like a it's a five star classic. It is, uh, it's super. I thought it was really excellent. Um, yeah, Nothing I went four and a, I went four and a half, but. But I think four and, four and a half for me is pretty high, honestly. So um, I, I think it's a really incredible match. What do you think of it, Joe? Uh, yeah, I went four and a half, too. The whole series was great. I mean, I alluded to that earlier. Um, yeah. You know, and it, and it, yeah, it may be the, the best series of matches this year. Um, some people may – I would disagree with that. I prefer Omega Okada slightly. Um, but in any other year, it you know, it, it, it'd be the – best series of matches of the 